0: the garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts Vita vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder
1: Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Garden. Glad you could be with us this morning. I'm Vader with Palladio.
0: And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, unemployed, <laughs> except for this program.
1: <laughs> and it's a great way to be, isn't it? It is. You can feel that
0: he's br- just bragging about no, it. No. Uh, you know, I told Fer the other day, He I said, you know, some mornings I just want to get up and go do something. You know, it's just... You know, mm-hmm. and he was kind of looking at me, kind of smiling. I said, "You know, but by nine o'clock, I'm over."
2: It. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's
3: probably over the, after the first five minutes he wakes up. But good morning, Mr. Jim and Miss Veda. A little morning, chilly y'all. out there this mm-hmm. morning.
0: Finally, what's the? I hadn't seen the weather today.
1: I think high sixties. Yeah, sunny. we're gonna
0: we're gonna be hitting upper thirties tonight probably. Ooh, Okay. Yeah, and then uh, we got some freezing temperatures long about Wednesday night. Yeah, going mm-hmm. b- before Thanksgiving. Burr, yeah, okay. So well, so Thanksgiving we're... high, mid fifties.
2: Well that—that's okay. good. That yeah.
1: feels like Thanksgiving then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how many
3: times have we been just sweltering?
0: Mm-hmm. Should be oh, sunny okay. though, so it should be a should pretty be a nice, nice, pretty day. Yeah,
1: good day for turkey hunting.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen to her. Good day for turkey
1: eating. <laughs> yeah, gotta hunt the turkey to eat it. I think we found
0: <laughs> one yesterday where mean? at huh? the grocery store yeah christy got one at <laughs> walmart or something <laughs>
3: veda um what have you been doing at palladio's
1: man let's see we have been i mean you know we've been selling a lot of stuff for container gardens of course paper whites oh, amaryllis, yeah. cute little christmas trees and pots you know trees that can live outside and um yeah yeah, what have y'all been doing? Kind of doing? Been that season? Yeah.
3: Oh, God. Gearing up, you know, for, for Christmas, you know, getting all the wreaths and roping priced and got trees coming in tomorrow and, uh, you know, amaryllis, like you said, yeah. paper whites, other bulbs. I mean, it's just, it's a fun time of year, I tell mm-hmm. you. It but is. But all the seasons are, when I say all of them, the fall and winter season, the Christmas season are converging together. Yeah. And it's... uh <laughs> it's funny you know we're we're th- after usually after Thanksgiving we're thinking about Christmas
1: mm-hmm. but still fall is in full swing I know I'd apologize you know? for the Christmas music numerous mm-hmm. times yesterday <laughs> I think everybody's over it they want to hear it after Thanksgiving oh, yeah. or remember what was 104 I used to play it thanksgiving morning mm-hmm. you would just wait you know okay the holidays are here yeah, it's thanksgiving, i got, I got
0: in my daughter's car I'm driving my daughter's car this morning because mine's in the shop and uh, she had she's on one of those serious things yeah. you know and, <laughs> and it was playing christmas music and when there was a new version of of um i want a hippopotamus for christmas i, I found the off button really quick <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: I was going to ask you did you know how to cut the thing off a new you, version that sounds like it could be worse oh it's worse you <laughs> yeah. know
0: the original one's kind of cute but you know this one is just it's a pit. <laughs> um, now your car's in the shop no big My, deal yeah, no no big deal it's just you know the the battery is dead, and they couldn't find a battery. So
3: Okay, I thought he was going to tell me he pulled off the back bumper trying to pull up a tree out of his front right, yard.
2: Right. You know? nah. <laughs> yeah,
1: because we were going to ask, what did you do in your yard this week? Um, you know, this week, not a whole lot. Um, oh, you know, it was already you know, pre-planned. Yeah.
0: Just, yeah. You know, the stuff is drying. It's it's still been so warm, even mm-hmm. the things in the, in the shed, which normally would go a week or two probably without needing to check. I've had to water some of them every three or four days. Right. So they're they're drying quickly.
1: Yeah, I had them put some of our um, indoor plants in the greenhouse. It's not a heated greenhouse, but of course it feels heated now. And that's what I was doing, kind of sweating them out, getting them to flush out before I bring them inside. But then some perennials got put in there. I said, go ahead and cut those back and put them in there. And then it's so warm mm-hmm. that I went in and I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want the perennials to grow. I'm here for the houseplants to grow. But I guess uh, the greenhouse ain't going to, it won't hold temperature to 50 degrees when it comes up to the next couple of days with the coldness at night. Well, but you said you got a little
3: greenhouse area that you had houseplants in because you mm-hmm. want them to grow.
1: Yeah, but yeah. it's still a
3: good place to store your perennials. Though. Right,
1: right. So I want to take the houseplants out yeah. and bring them. Yeah, yeah, because they get all this different temperature. Action going. I'm being strategic here. I'm trying to save those plants that oh, nurserymen yeah. usually <laughs> like to nurse back to health, <laughs> but they should go in the trash.
3: <laughs> well, we were moving houseplants around yesterday because we got our first shipment of poinsettias in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh man, you know, houseplants are taking like uh, the back seat now yeah. at, at Dan West Veda. So it's kind of weird, you know, because mm-hmm. houseplants, you know, it's been crazy, you know, the last three years. And they have been front and center. Yeah. Well, now, you know, well, there again, you know, they're, we're just kind of getting them moved around in different mm. places uh, to make room for all the poinsettias that came in. So I'm like, OK, I guess we're right. getting there in that Christmas season, you know.
1: We're doing uh, smaller containers for uh, indoors, like for your Thanksgiving table, you know, mixing a lot of uh, fall color indoor plants. And then little uh, containers and bigger containers for, you know, your screened-in outside patio that's semi-sheltered. Right. You know, getting everything dressed up for Thanksgiving now dinner. Now,
3: what, what about the water features? I mean, have y'all started mm-hmm. winterizing yet?
1: We have um, homeowners. Yeah. We uh, winterize at the last minute at the garden center, of course, because you want always yeah. to have the water and all. But, yeah, we're starting that winterizations.
3: I mean, I guess this is the time of year you want to get that stuff, that water out of there, get everything dried up before... But not one night of freezing temperatures. Right. No, that's not going to make gonna any bother. difference. Yeah. But before it gets cold and really stays cold, yeah. so I guess you got to plan ahead. It's
1: almost—it's really frustrating because, like, uh, you could almost run your fountain all the time year-round. But then that one little segment that you have can totally crack your fountain. Mm-hmm. So it's like a homeowner is just going to cover it and not deal with it, because I mean, you don't want to lose a three thousand five thousand dollar fountain no not because you didn't
3: drain it that one you know week yeah. of the winter
1: we did we brought back a whole lot of uh cracked and broken pieces from other clients houses that we worked on after this past freeze mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. winter yeah. because it just especially ones that were like really old it really cracked them up But what, so what happens <laughs> if you up.
3: if you drain a fountain like mm-hmm. you should you know yeah. just to winterize it and you don't cover it. You know, every time mm-hmm. it rains, you get water in there, so you're not really doing yourself yeah. a lot of a lot of good unless you cover that thing, right?
0: right? No, but it will help if you'll just lay a few sticks in there, get a couple mm-hmm. of limbs out of your um, tree, you know, inch or so, and just lay them in there so that they're sticking out. That gives the water something to expand against mm-hmm. instead of the, the concrete.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, there <And> <laughs> is have, that. you'll have a whole Never lot thought.
3: less damage.
0: <laughs> really?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Okay, and let I me write do that do one that. down. That yeah. that is that makes sense.
1: Right. Yeah, like the fountain um companies have fountain covers designed for their fountains. But of course, oh. <laughs> so cuz you know, it looks really horrible with the blue tarp around it you know so yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) front and center in the front yard yeah Yeah,
1: right trash bag on the top a white trash bag with the red ties on it you know that looks bad but they do make fountain cover so it slips over it and it's not so showing see i was
3: i was thinking that you know okay i'm gonna drain the water out Mm -hmm. because to me that's winterizing it and maybe take the pump out but i was thinking about preserving the pump i forgot about Mm really preserving the integrity yeah. of the concrete itself right so right. that's why you really don't want any moisture in there I get for the most part mm-hmm. through the cold bitter yeah. winter months right, right? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. you know for bird baths, all they do is just dump the water out turn it upside mm-hmm. down and set it back on the pedestal
1: yeah exactly so they
0: can't collect water and it doesn't look that bad you know you can put a little pot on top of it with some um
1: yeah that's true oh flowers yeah or something, <laughs> you know but
3: I tell you i've got a a epoxy birdbath back in my back bed that's been there oh god 20 years and i tell you i've never dumped water out of that thing Mm -hmm. and it you know you know what's going to happen this year but (laughs) nothing's ever happened to it now i guess it might expand maybe a little more than say concrete wood Mm -hmm. so uh knock on wood i mean i've never thought about emptying that thing ever The sides
0: are smoother too so it tends to it will pop up even the ice will, right? Yes. Whereas concrete tends to be rough and it, it won't move up like that. Got yeah, it. Is. So it's going to expand and crack whatever's in. Okay, I hold
1: it in. It's just bizarre. I mean, how things happen. Like we do a lot of lights, of course, putting lights in fountains, and of course pumps. And you can have someone come in and say, "I need to replace my pump or my lights. I've had them for fifteen years." You're like, what? And then somebody can come in and say, I need to replace my pump and lights. I've had them for six months. you yeah, know, mm-hmm. And they're all the same thing. But this man that had them for 13, uh, what did I say, 13 years, 15 years, he actually took everything out and cleaned it and, put, and stored it mm-hmm. and then brought it out. So that's how. And that's why we go do the winterization is take everything apart, clean it, store it so you don't have to.
0: Well, we see, you know, where pumps and lights go bad is where they let the water get too low you know yeah. because the water helps take the heat off of that pump and off mm-hmm. of the lights and if it gets too low then you don't have that transpiration it, it's of, tough on them yeah so that's how we uh-huh. usually see them um fail in less than warranty time yeah
1: yeah that's yeah. true and I, i'm a culprit of that we had somebody call us say my, Something's wrong with my fountain. It's screaming. Uh It's screaming. (laughs) Would you have a
3: possum stuck in there or what? Yeah,
1: they were low on water, and Uh it was just making that noise. Uh All right, it's time to go to a break, and we've got lots of gardening questions for you, or maybe y'all should have some for us.
3: Yeah, but also Jim was saying something about we need to talk about (laughs) the maybe the different (laughs) zone that we're in. Brand
0: new USDA zone hardiness map.
1: Mm-hmm. y'all stay tuned for this this is a blast we'll be right back <laughs> Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926, or you can post questions on Facebook Live.
3: You can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page, like Veda's talking about, and we had a text her this morning, Miss Jan Childer. She said, good morning, dirt buddies. Wakey, wakey, trying to wake
1: up. <laughs> Jan can't wake up because she made Cure Egg without the coffee.
3: Uh, there you go. Can't do that. <laughs> no. But good morning, Jan, and appreciate the text Dan. Uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about, you know, the different zones across the United States. Uh, And they've, Jim, you're saying they've actually changed our zone because didn't they change our zone, you know, four or five years ago? Well, they tried,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There was, the the last official one was in 2011 that that the Department of Agriculture uh, adopted. Well, then they commissioned a new one, uh, and it was very, very specific. It took into consideration heat islands around cities. Mm. It was very, very good, and it showed Shelby County in Zone 8. But they didn't like it. Really? Now, the American uh, Arborist Foundation accepted it, thought it was a good map, and they've used that one ever since. Um, But they finally, this past Wednesday, I think, um, released a brand new one, which puts Shelby, Fayette, and Tipton County in Zone 8A. Which is even warmer than Zone 8, right? Well, 8A, between where we were, 7B and 8A is about five degrees difference. Okay. Now, this is based on the last 30 years. Um, so, you know, if you go 50 years, it doesn't look like we are. Mm-hmm. But if, And if you go 10 years, it makes us look like we're zone A-B, you know. Right. So Now, uh,
3: but what does that mean? I mean, so, I mean, I know it means that our temperatures or just our average mean temperature is a little warmer mm-hmm. and also our average low lows are not as low. That's correct. It
1: that means we water more, there's more heat longer. Uh, well, but is the, we can get away with more plants surviving through the winter. Well, no. Well, you know, I was going to ask is that just yeah. the
0: opposite of that, though? Uh,
1: because we can go up and down. One really?
0: of the one of the things we had somebody ask about, and I said. You know, I wouldn't rush out and buy all these iffy plants right, right. just because the government will says it will grow here because quite often they don't know what they're <laughs> <Right>. doing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So that was
3: going to be my next question, Jim. Can we get away with planting things around here that are marginal that we didn't ever want to plant or, you know, we were thinking that the winter mm-hmm. would take care of it. So you're saying, hang on just a minute. Well,
0: you know, the flash freeze last year, you got just got to take that out of your mind because that's, like I said, once oh, yeah. in maybe 100 or 500 year event. Yeah. Um, but, unless it happens this year yeah, unless it happens <laughs> yeah. again this year um but on average our temperatures aren't getting quite as low mm-hmm. um so in theory that if you plant a gardenia say in april and that's what i was thinking gardenias, right yeah. it gets established it has a much better chance of making it through that first winter and you know once you get through the first one you're pretty good shape you know um you could if you they can still get some top damage, but right. the roots typically are, are good from there on out. So um that that's that's the thing. It's just we're getting just a tad
3: warmer. Yeah, uh, and, and the way I was thinking of it, Veda, was mm-hmm. just the opposite of the way you were thinking about it. I was thinking, okay, our temperatures are warmer, probably warmer longer into mm-hmm. the winter season. And you know, the way our temperatures fluctuate around here, which is crazy, you know, are they not getting that chill to go into some kind of dormancy kind of Mm -hmm. like last year right then all of a sudden you get a cold uh spell through here and it does more damage than normal Mm. because our temperatures are warmer for longer periods of time Mm. you know i guess we'll just have to kind of you know i guess it's but that's nothing new i mean our the way that we grow plants and, and, and let me back up the way plants are damaged around here when it gets cold in the winter that's nothing new Right. So
0: I guess we just keep planting and growing things like
1: we Mm -hmm. always have.
0: Yeah. You know the the thing is this even this fall is an anomaly because we've had much warmer than normal. You know, Mm -hmm. been running ten to fifteen degrees above the normal average.
1: Or are we at the beginning of a new climate change? Well, (laughs) I mean the climate's
0: changing, but we've Mm -hmm. been coming out of out of. An ice age for the last two hundred thousand right. years. Yeah. You know, it's been slightly warming now, and obviously, you know, industrial is is raising that mm-hmm. side. You know, right? We yeah. got more cows contributing to gas. Mm-hmm. You right. Know? More we got, people. We got more cars. Yeah, we definitely so have more. We people, are so. making some, but eventually, it will correct itself. It mm-hmm. always has. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we'll have a period of, of volcanism where you know that it will lower the temperature ten degrees or so on earth. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what about the like the El Nino that's down there? That's, I mean that that that's affects what's, our weather, open, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that's you know if you look at the two farmers almanacs, they're both predicting mm-hmm. colder than normal across the north. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's absolutely the weather service is saying absolutely the opposite. Uh, it's gonna be warmer across the north because of El Nino. Hmm. Uh, And and I think I told y'all, I don't know, two months ago that it looked like it was going to be a winter where it might snow in Jackson, Mississippi, Mm -hmm. but not here. You did, yeah. Yeah, and that's what it appears to be. It's going to be wetter along the southern coast uh, and and probably warmer um, than it was uh, than than normal. But I think you'll see a lot more precipitation South of us. That's always blown my mind where we're further north
3: than, say, Jackson or, you know, central Mississippi, Mm -hmm. and they'll get a ice storm or a snow just... And we, you know, we get rain. I'm like, hell, they're closer to the equator.
1: I know. I know. It makes no sense. Even Collierville seems to... And right there where Collierville and Mississippi meet, they seem... Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, they seem to uh, get a little more colder weather and more Mm -hmm. rain than we do. And, and, And there
3: are... Islands like Jim was talking about. The city is definitely warmer. I remember years ago when my daughter was playing soccer, we would leave the Memphis proper and mm-hmm. drive out to like micros soccer fields. Okay, yeah. and I promise you, it was fifteen to twenty degrees colder mm-hmm. there yeah. than it would be at work on Popper Avenue. Right. I mean, every time yeah. I'm like, okay, I mean this this heat island is a real mm-hmm. thing. It I'm is. telling
0: you, it is.
3: All right, so yeah. no major shakeup then just because they rezoned us to 8a no. that's nothing for us to really just okay i'm gonna go out and start there's buying just, palm there's trees some
0: fluctuations 100 miles or so on all of these regardless of where you live uh you know check your map because there may be some slight variations but um you know it's it's, it's not a big deal um, okay
1: because we've kind we've sort of been gardening like it was already eight oh, yeah absolutely
0: yeah. you know for yeah well, since I retired, I've been pushing the envelope on trying to get right. things that were more tropical, um, mm-hmm. you know, heliconias and things like this that are, are more tropical looking. And uh, some, if, some years you have good luck, some yeah. years you don't, like last year. Well, and right. I tell you, and last
3: year really is stuck in people's minds because mm-hmm. we all know that fall is a great planting season. Fall and spring are the optimal times to plant. And a lot of people would actually wait until fall to plant a lot of trees and shrubs. But they were a little gun-shy this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, so many people replanted stuff to replace what they lost. But a lot of people were a little afraid to plant in the fall, thinking that, hey, what if I plant all this stuff now? And the same thing mm-hmm. happens that happened last year. And, you know, that's when I explained to him, like Jim did, you know, we'll probably, well, we hope that we'll never see that again. Now, we don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, it could happen this year but that's never happened before in my lifetime. Right, right. Nobody's so, had,
1: a, had a problem at all. We're all good.
3: Exactly. So I, I would
0: still never, ever not say that fall is not a great planting time. Mm-hmm. But then you have to look at, in the last five years, what I think we've had Indian hawthorn burn twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you three know. times. Yeah, maybe three.
1: And they're coming back out. They are. Yeah, they're coming back. <laughs> not looking horrible, actually, some mm-hmm. of them that's come out. I was I mean, yeah, I had, we had looked at them for two years, not in a nice state, but then when they finally start fleshing out, and I've had a number of people ask me, why do I see all these sticks with little green leaves trying to grow off of them? Are they even going to make it? Is it even worth it? Aren't people tired of looking at the sticks with the little green leaves? Well,
3: maybe, but you know, mm-hmm. also, I, I don't think you're going to see as many Indian hawthorn, for example, being planted here in Shelby County that we used to i mean every commercial parking lot had thousands of indian hawthorns Mm -hmm. out there that was their go-to plant well now not so much right Mm -hmm. so we kind of live and learn on these uh you know these plants that are just really susceptible to these fluctuations in temperatures
1: i see the best looking indian hawthorns that are tucked in I saw one that looked really good that it got like early morning sun, late afternoon sun, but it was tucked under a tree. And, of course, that protected it. And then some that are in courtyards and all, they were fine. But if it's just sitting out on the street with all the environment able to conquer it, then it's it's uh, stressed out.
3: Well, and then the other shrubs, you know, that we saw, a, you know, take a beating, which all the evergreens did, even including distillium, you know, how they were really pushing distillium as the new mm wonder shrub that kind of takes place of uh, boxwoods and even uh, laurels to some some extent. People are still planting them. Now, my point is, if things keep happening and these Mm -hmm. shrubs keep dying during the winter months, then people will, you know, kind of scale Mm -hmm. back on that particular plant. You can't blame them.
1: No. Nope. Um, So like I did somebody's landscape uh, gave them the design about Last summer or so, and they installed it and everything, and it was Saint John's Wort, chokeberry, yeah. oak leaf, hollies, um, Henry Garnet. You know some Tough. of the natives. Yeah, well, fifty
0: percent so. of those were fine through the winter. Right,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Tough> plants. <laughs> okay, y'all are going to run to a break. Get your gardening questions together and call us at nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. You're here with me, Beta Vance, Kenneth Kenneth, Mabry, and Jim Crowder. And if
3: you want to shoot us a text, it's the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Not to be confused with the other Facebook page that's taken over Facebook, Mid South Gardening Zone mm-hmm. Six Seven Eight. Yep, uh, and I think Jim is the uh, administrator of this Facebook page. <laughs> do we need to add nine again? That's I took it I was off. Now I may you, put it back. <laughs> yeah, do
1: you take six off and put nine? Exactly. Yeah.
3: But Jim, <laughs> know. what a great uh, what a great Facebook page. I've talked I've, I've told so many people about that, and uh, I said you know and these are true gardeners that you know ask these questions that they want the answers, and you know they're engaged in their landscape. Uh, and, and they want knowledge. You know, that's mm-hmm. really what they want. And I said, man, you need to go check out this web page or this Facebook page, uh, Mid-South Gardening Zone 678. And I guess we'll start putting nine on there for too long. <laughs> but in um, and, and the people, I get feedback from these people and they love it. So Jim, yeah. good job there, buddy. And you, you can post much. questions. You can do all that kind of stuff. And a lot of mm-hmm. people post pictures. Uh, in fact, when I first time opened my phone yesterday, I think it was Foliage Friday yesterday. Yes, it was. And I saw this huge uh, picture of nothing but beautiful mint leaves and the lady mm-hmm. said spot on them too they're just absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. no they were beautiful yeah. i mean a little like a bouquet really mm-hmm. and she said does this account for foliage friday And i'm thinking to myself man that's someone that's one of the prettiest pictures of foliage i've seen this whole year yeah. so yeah. yes it
0: does yeah we are getting a lot of pictures. yesterday we had uh, someone post them uh what we see every fall or to some extent every fall um Yellow leaves on azaleas, the yeah. internal ones, and they just, you know, it's just scary because it looks like they're going backwards quick. It's like they're done. Right. You know, and the whites and some of the light pinks do this. Every year they lose all of the foliage in the inside and just hold the green foliage around the flower bud. That's right. And if it's a normal year, you'll, it'll be mm-hmm. a fairly slow process. They'll drop a few leaves, and you just don't really notice it. But this year is one of those where it's just...
2: Yellow leaves
0: (laughs) everywhere, and we've had a (laughs) thousand phone calls about that, Jim. That's what I said. If I had a dollar for every Mm panicky homeowner that called me, I'd have my own tropical island. (laughs) That's for sure.
3: But there is absolutely nothing wrong with those azaleas. No. That's just all Mm weather-related. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Hydrangeas. You know, how many hydrangeas need to come on the market before we're happy? I
1: know. Like I was saying in the break. I'm going down. I want to do the spring bookings, make sure I get what I want. And so mm-hmm. I come to the hydrangea category. And there's just from this one company is 800, I'm 800, 100 varieties to choose from. Of hydrangeas. And I'm like thinking, how am I going to pick what what they want?
3: Well, I kind of break it down into two different sections. Mm-hmm. You know, the old fashioned mop head hydrangeas that typically grow in more shade. And then the paniculata varieties Mm -hmm. that will take as much sun as you want to give them, right? Yeah. And, of course, we all know that, you know, Limelight, uh, Little Lime, and Bobo. Limelight being the tallest, Little Lime being medium size, and Bobo being the shortest. And that
1: category is easy to buy in that Right. And that's been
3: all just pure, white-bloomed hydrangeas. But I was reading about one uh, that Proven Winters is coming out with called Pufferfish. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, what is this all about? So it says puffer fish hydrangea, which is a paniculata, which is a sun-loving hydrangea, uh, four to five foot tall, four to five foot wide. So to me, that's more of like
2: almost like
3: Mm -hmm. a a bobo hydrangea on steroids, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It says, think of puffer fish as a larger, more puffed-up bobo hydrangea. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is their description. Mm -hmm. Uh, With fluffy white blooms that turn lime green as they age Mm. see that's just the opposite of what we're used to on on a lot of these paniculatas. you know they come out and they have that lime green bloom and then they fade to pure white and then later on they might get some pink hues in there right right well this starts out pure white and then fades to a lime green Mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty interesting which is just the opposite
1: that's going to be interesting to see how lime green it fades to yeah, well Will yeah. Really? I,
0: that's one limelight. I mean my limelights come out white and then turn green. Mm-hmm. See, mine come out kind of a greeny white and turn white. Mm. And then kinda of yeah. fade to kind of pink.
1: So basically puffer fish is like all the other ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless if, it's gonna be a vibrant mm. lime green. Yeah. You know, it, what not would be just the, the, the same difference? that kind of blends throughout all the paniculitis throughout the season, except for the oak leaf hydrangeas. Yeah.
3: Which I love. Mm -hmm. And then, and by the way, Oak Leaf Hydrangeas, they didn't skip a beat last winter.
1: No, they did not. No,
3: I mean, it didn't affect them at all. And this is one more. Uh, This one's out by First Editions. This was a hydrangea that caught my eye, and it's called Eclipse. Uh, And this is the old-fashioned mophead hydrangea Mm -hmm. for the shade. But this is the first true dark leaf hydrangea macrophilia on the market with dark purple, almost black coloration, and reddish blooms with green centers, and I'm telling you, if you look up Eclipse Hydrangea, mm-hmm. y'all, the leaves are—I mean, not—I mean, they—they are a blackish right. green. I mean, that's how dark they are. With the reddish blooms with those green centers, and that's the contrast. It's the—it's the craziest mm-hmm. looking hydrangea I've ever seen in my life, honestly.
1: What was it, the name of the one you got at the? Siora? That's what I was trying to think that's of. The right. one
0: it had it has bronze leaves, and, uh, but it has pink blooms.
1: Yeah, uh, it starts with the S, S-I-O-R-A, S-I-O-R-A, Yeah, Sauri. or, yeah, s- something.
0: or yeah, yeah, something like that. S A O
3: R I, I believe. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that's I mean, it.
3: this thing didn't even look like a hydrangea because mm-hmm. you know I'm so mm-hmm. used to seeing those, you know, just beautiful yeah. green leaves on these, um, you know, shade loving mm-hmm. hydrangeas, and I'm telling you, these things were so dark. Now, I don't know if I like it or not because maybe it's, yeah. I'm not used to it, but it looks nothing. The foliage looks mm-hmm. not the, the the color looks nothing like a hydrangea.
1: Well, for some reason, well, it Go looks ahead, like Jim. that
0: red uh, to me it looks like that red in the summer that they've got now.
3: But Jim, that if you see that foliage though there on that eclipse. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 so dark. I've, like I said, I've never seen anything mm-hmm. like it. Now, I don't we'll have to see how it looks in the real world. But those two, the puffer fish, yeah. <laughs> caught my attention because it's just the opposite of uh-huh. what the limelights and li- little limes and bobos do as far mm-hmm. as the, you know, going to that lime green as they fade. And then this uh, eclipse because of the, and they weren't really touting the bloom on the eclipse. Yeah. They were touting the, the Foli- color of the foliage. Oh, there's yeah.
1: one also called Tuxedo that has black foliage. The Siora has black foliage. And now there's the eclipse. Well,
3: and, But they were saying this is the. The first true dark lead. I don't
2: know.
1: Yeah, that
3: I'm not I sure get, that
2: that's true. Right. But, that's
3: not yeah, but true. Look at that, that foliage on that thing. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: That's beautiful. Absolutely. But, but a completely different We're one I'm used at to it, looking uh, at. From
0: Bailey Nursery's. Um, they, Bailey Nursery has been a, an innovator in yeah. uh, in hydrangeas. In fact, they had uh, they, the first endless summers came from them. Oh. Uh, when um, Michael Durr was up there, I think, looking at their nursery Mm -hmm. and he knew that they had had a very hard winter so there shouldn't be any hydrangeas in bloom but he saw this row of hydrangeas out in the field in full bloom he's like and they were about to till them under
1: oh what what that would have been they
0: didn't realize what they had and he goes you know we need to take a look
2: at that
3: (laughs) (laughs) so and that was the beginning of endless summer hydrangeas correct and the beauty of endless summer hydrangeas is they bloom off new and old wood. Mm-hmm. You know, most of their old-fashioned hydrangeas that we grew up with, there's only one or two. Right. You know, They would bloom this year off of last right. year's growth. Uh, well, now these newer varieties, they bloom off old tissue and mm-hmm. new tissue. So you almost are guaranteed to get some kind of a bloom, regardless of what the winter does to us.
0: Yeah, and, and don't expect a, what you see in the spring to happen again in the fall. Right. It just, you know, they're... You're going to have to prune them. You're going to have to cut the old flowers off to get many flowers at all. Mm-hmm. But I have done. I have done endless summer both ways. I've not cut the flowers off. I've cut the flowers mm-hmm. off, and the most I've ever gotten is you know half a dozen blooms. Yeah, right. I mean that's. Which is better than nothing. Yeah, but yeah it's, it's a nice you know, little happy. But in the summer. it doesn't burst into full bloom like it does in the spring. Yeah. What do you think about that dark color, though, that eclipse hydrangea? Well, I think it's okay. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of black foliage.
3: You know, I, Jim, that's where mm-hmm. I'm coming from.
0: Yeah. Um, th- no, there's some things that stand out. Some of the black elephant ears, when you've got them placed within green stuff mm. they stand out yeah but you know if you go looking at a black elephant ear up against your gray fence it's just yeah. lacks yeah. a little something yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of meh right
1: yeah well um i think i know how i'll order hydrangeas i'll just look through all the gardening magazines and see what's being advertised that's
0: that's a good way to go yeah and order that way Back yeah. at, when i was at uh, highway 64 down west door <clears throat> i think we carried something around 60 varieties of hydrangeas mm-hmm. um you know, but when they're in bloom, there's minor differences. Yeah, right, you know? right, Yeah. So some of them were so close. You know, it's one of those things where – you know, somebody succeeded with one, so they somebody, another nursery goes, well, this is very close to that. Let's rename yeah, it yes. something and cute, and it will sell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like puffer, puffer fish. Fish. <laughs> yeah,
2: Exactly.
0: I mean, I do love the Endless
3: Summer uh, Hydrangeas mm-hmm. over, you know, just on a whole, whether it's the old-fashioned, original Endless Summer that's pink or blue, and then there's Blushing Bride, which is white with kind of a blush pink mm-hmm. hue to it, uh, yeah, it, and
1: then there's some hydrangeas that the stems can be red on them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some different look where they look pretty without fact, the blooms. In fact,
0: I posted a picture of my lady in red. It's sprouting new leaves after being mm-hmm. zapped by the frost. So, mm-hmm. you know, which tells me I may have trouble with flowers yeah. next spring. Yeah. So, well, that was the thing this year. Your old fashioned
3: macrophilias, the shade loving hydrangeas, that one, many that bloomed this year because they were all taken down to the ground by last winter's. Uh, freeze, And, you know, there again, they bloom better mostly on last year's wood. So all that tissue was frozen away. So no one really had any blooms yeah. where the paniculata varieties, the the white blooming that love the sun. They're kind of like a crepe myrtle. They're going to bloom regardless. They bloom off the same year's growth. And that's what I love about mm-hmm. them.
1: Me too. All right, y'all. 901-260-5926. If you don't want to be on air, just give your question to Philip mm-hmm. and he'll post it. And we will love to answer it. Just hang on. We'll be right back. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. But are bouncing in, almost, in almost chair USDA again. USDA Zone 678. I mean, that's <laughs> our Facebook page. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you can you know post during the week. Join them, if you will. We've got, uh, I think, just right at 10,400 members now. Uh, we're up about two percent for the month, so we're I'm real pleased. We get uh, a good many every day. Good lord! Which means we also get a good many trying to get in and advertise. Uh, <laughs> yep, and Mr. Jim, there he is, at spent, waiting at the front door. That's what I do. I spend a lot of time looking at their. You know, if, if they're not letting me see what they do and they don't have, they're not members of any other groups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they've got a name that I can't pronounce, yeah. <laughs> they're out.
1: Not, I get a little suspicious. Yeah, yeah not. So um, I saw a label on uh, cough medicine from the 1900s and it, it explains why I, why our grandparents were able to walk to school barefooted both in ways. the snow yeah. uphill. Uphill both. both ways, yeah. It's uh, the cough syrup. It's the leading brand. It's 10% alcohol. Here we go. 1.2 grams of cannabis, 2 grams of chloroform.
3: <laughs> Good Lord. Oh.
1: <laughs> You're talking about a pick-me-up. Is that, or wait, what's GRS? That's not grams. I'm not sure. But anyway. it gets Grains, late. isn't it? Maybe so. Yeah. Then morphine, ethanol, and hydrochloride. That's, and it comes from and they also have labilia.
0: I see and they take all the good stuff off the market <laughs>
1: right i know Jeez. i was like well no wonder they were walking i know <laughs> oh that's funny i know man that's crazy alcohol and cannabis and chloroform
3: i mean you could run a jet on that stuff i'm telling you oh
2: no
1: but
3: oh, well. hey it is what it is right uh, Veda, you were talking about another shrub that you had seen. Yeah, uh, touch you know, of gold. We were holly, talking about these yeah. hydrangeas, these new um, introductions. And there's new ones that come out every year across the board. But there was a, would you say a holly that you saw?
1: Yeah, a touch of gold holly. And it stays low.
0: And it's a, it's a Japanese holly.
1: Yeah, Japanese. So at first I was like, no, I can't do it. Looks like it needs iron. Mm-hmm. And then I kept looking at them in different landscapes, and I thought, this, this could be doable. But I could never really get a good look mm-hmm. at really how this foliage was shaped and all. See, that's the
3: way I am. When any mm-hmm. shrub that has just pure yellow leaves, uh, you know, it's, it's a good contrast because yeah. we're so used to seeing green. But, you know, the first thing I think of is this thing's anemic,
0: Right, you know, and, so, and you know, and of course they're going to show you the very best picture that you can have. Yeah, okay, um, and the one that um, Beta just showed us showed the plant entirely yellow. Mm-hmm. Now here's the picture from Southern Living; it's yeah. green inside and yellow on the tips, I, this, and that's probably more like it. It's probably more realistic. Yeah, still uh, not a bad looking plant, though. right?
1: Well, this is actually see that like <laughs> you said they picked the very big because that what, that picture's from the Southern Living plant collection also.
3: Mm. And this one was called, what, say that again? Touch of Touch gold, gold. Touch of gold, holly. Okay. So,
1: oh, but look, if you look closer, you can see the green kind of inside. Oh, I threaded. see it now. Yeah. 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 Which that helps. Mm-hmm. That helps. But, okay, so you could do the black hydrangeas and then the yellow holly. <laughs> And, and get a it letter it,
0: from your homeowner's association.
1: You know, like, I can't <laughs> handle this too much color. It would look pretty with a lot of evergreens too. You know? But
3: that's why people do buy these shrubs that have leaves other than green. Right. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Well, they've got distillium with it and um, limelight hydrangeas, probably the bobo maybe. Mm-hmm.
3: Which is the shorter.
1: And yeah, two kinds of distillium. One is the one that looks coppery. In the background, and then the other one's kind of a blue. So that's really a striking com- com- combination. And
0: here's another one called Drops of Gold, which is another Japanese holly uh, so are that they has the yellow. Same? Do you Could say? well be. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you remember um, the azaleas Red Ruffle. Yes. yes. And Red Wing. Red Wing was the first one that came out. It was patented, uh, and it's a beautiful azalea. But someone took a cutting off of it and propagated it and called it. Um, Red, Red Ruffle. Ruffle, you know. Uh, are they exactly the yeah. same gene? They are genetically the same. Right. Of course, at the time they came out, we couldn't tell that. Yes. You know, so the patent mm-hmm. has since run out on, on Red, Red Wing. Wing. So, yeah. But Red Ruffle, the name was better. Yeah. And, and it sold so much better than Red Wing.
1: <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> is that yeah. a so that. <laughs> hence why trying to order mm-hmm. hydrangeas and things that there's so many varieties is then now I'm comparing them other varieties going mm. well. If this one's not nothing different than that one, <laughs> then why get this one? Yeah. Well, unless it's got a catchy name, then I <laughs> might switch to well, this. Well, and one. it makes
3: me think of also, you know, we we all know about limelight hydrangeas, you know, they've taken over the market for all the right reasons. I mean, they're beautiful hydrangeas. And then remember, you know, when that patent was running out on a particular grower, they came out with limelight prime, mm-hmm. you know, and then you start reading the difference of li- between limelight and limelight prime. Well, limelight prime supposed to have, you know, bigger blooms and stronger stems and, mm-hmm. you know, all these attributes where, you know, if you look at the two and they're both in bloom, you're like, they're the same hydrangea. So uh, th- you know they're they're again talking about red wing and red ruffle and all these other things where we're really a lot of times looking at the same trunk. Right.
1: Well, also <laughs> if I can get the perfect timing of having a whole bunch of hydrangeas in bloom on the lot, a lot of times you're all of a sudden not looking for a certain hydrangea. You're out looking for which one looks the best that's right, right. right now. It's got <clears throat> the best color. Yeah,
0: and that's why the nurseries are really good because <clears throat> we're most we're getting our pr- nurseries. For, uh, hydrangeas from further south, okay mm. they're all being produced along the Gulf Coast, basically. Mm. so they're you know when you get them up here, they're pretty much all in bloom at the same time, right. you know, which they may not be once you get them in the ground, but they're they've been pruned properly. They're nice little compact shrubs mm. with big old flowers yeah. on them. yeah, they're just stunning.
3: yeah, yeah. you're right they come right. up and just they're beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. Well but,
1: that blush, that incredible blush is still blooming and gorgeous like I just cannot believe how amazing it is right now so hopefully I mean I got it in like that like three weeks ago we still have some that are beautiful but I'm wondering if every, if that's going to be common every year or that they're blooming dear in this time or is it just because I got it you know from further south, right, and it was blooming then, and I just got it in because it was blooming. Well, to me,
3: they're doing the same thing with hydrangeas they did with hostas. You know, you go out there and look at hostas, your head starts to spin. You know, there's so many on the market, and I love them all. Don't get me wrong. Right. Same thing with hydrangeas. I mean, your head will spin on how many hydrangeas are out there on the market now, and they're all Mm great-looking hydrangeas. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. There's just so many. How do you make
0: a decision on which one you want to right. put in your landscape?
1: Hey, did you bring hostas from your other house? I remember you had some nice I, ones.
0: I have moved a few, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to move the bulk of them. Mm. Yeah. Are you going to
1: put them in containers? I am
0: temporarily because yeah. I don't have the beds ready. Right. Um. So, yes, they're most all. Of them. And I'm going mm-hmm. to bare root some of them, just you know, and just label them and put them in, get them good and dry, put uh-huh. them in plastic bags, and just wait till spring. Leave them out in the shed; they'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Like amaryllis bulbs and geraniums. And yeah. 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 I love those hostas, especially you had a good combination like the blues and the yellows. Yes. So now, oh, you could, man, basically now you could do an all yellow landscape. And then for some reason, like you don't like the black foliage plants, but I keep seeing little articles about all black garden goth garden you know Mm. anything and i guess you know we're just reaching looking for things differently to sell
3: you know even the violas you know that have so many different colors there's that dark purple almost black blooming viola those things flew off the shelf Mm -hmm. so people do love that color bizarre
1: okay we're gonna take a break y'all get your gardening questions together and uh 260-5926 and you're listening to kwham
0: The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your hosts, Veta Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. We were almost late coming on because we were bragging about ourselves and um <laughs>
3: <laughs> love Veda <laughs> <Aida> to death
1: <laughs> okay you were so, having people
3: come into Palladio's. uh y'all had an open house last weekend yeah. they were coming to you going i've heard that voice before
1: yeah i get called like radio, that which is yeah. great right
2: you
3: know? uh but if you want to give us a call this morning 901-260-5926 that's 901-260-5926 you can always shoot us a question or a text on the mighty 990 facebook page uh, mid-south gardening right
1: right and jim right
0: you can reach us during the week during the facebook group so you know invite you to join if you haven't a lot of good information we have uh Mm. we have people who post problems we have people that just post (laughs) their wonderful gardens even if it's a single flower you know yeah that that's important uh so uh, just you know get on and and use the search thing there's a lot of good information in there um particularly articles that i have written not that I'm all that smart, but. No, I know, have to uh, disagree push back on with that. Jim. that. Yeah, I disagree know, with but there's that. But there's, there's a lot of good information on there. Plus, we have the file section, which has things like varieties of fruit and which, which ones you need for pollinators and, and plants uh, for wet places, uh, native plants, poisonous plants, deer resistant plants. Deer resistant plants. So we have lots of good information. Sun loving hostas, Jim. Yeah. On yep. and on and on. Mm-hmm.
1: So I uh, also, ironically, saw a post on the page after we had discussed it. You had brought it up last year, the ar- last weekend, the arborist mulch. Arborist mulch. And so yep. then I saw someone, you know, really excited about being able mm-hmm. to get it. And then, um, like you said, you let people answer, see what they're saying, and you know, you'll. And there was a number of people that said, "No, pathways mm-hmm. is, go- is good. Is yeah. good, you know, but
0: that's what I would use it for. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep. you, know you, uh, you can get poison ivy in it." You know when they're mm-hmm. cutting the limbs up, uh, and it's a coarse mulch. It's it's to me, it's not that attractive on the first thing, mm-hmm. uh, but you can use it for pathways and stuff. But it's,
3: just, I mean, you can still use it
1: as yeah, well. yeah it's, it's got a place. That's yeah. yeah. green own preference,
0: yeah. usually when you get it, um, mm-hmm. so it it really needs to age a little while. Yeah, you know we were talking
3: about some hydrangeas in the first hour. Mm-hmm. An- another shrub that I really love, like maybe because we don't see a lot of it. Uh, are the lilacs that are out there Mm -hmm. Um, you know and we always have heard that the further north you go the more lilacs you see and the further south you go the more crepe myrtles you see right well people in the north won't create myrtles people in the south won't lilacs because we're just so used to seeing what we've got Uh, but if you're ever going to grow lilacs around here there's two that i wrote down in particular that i really do like because these two can actually perform better in warmer temperatures. And that's really always been the problem with trying to grow lilacs around here, is our mean temperatures, just usually too warm around here. Uh, one is Miss Kim, which has been around forever. And, Jim, that's more of a dwarf, isn't it? Yeah, and, it is. And it's a Korean lilac. Uh, and then the other one is called Blue Skies. And we've had it you know, for years and years and years. Uh, but they're, like I said, great lilacs for a warm weather like ours. And, Jim, there there are always some must-dos that you have to do if you want to successfully grow lilacs. One is you better have good drainage. And, of course, we say that about everything around here, but they do have to have really good drainage. Uh, and that's, you know, digging your hole just as deep as the root ball, twice as wide, really amending that soil, uh, planting a little high above grade. And all of that improves the drainage. Secondly, is they do need a pretty high pH, kind of like a a clematis, for example, even boxwoods. Uh, So it's good to make sure that that pH is up around at least around six and a half uh, if you want to be successful with uh, lilacs. But, Jim, you were saying something
0: when we were coming on. I was going to talk about lilacs. You said something about don't plant them close to the foundation of a house. Well, don't plant them close to the house because they're so prone to powdery mildew. That's the main thing. Get them out where they're Mm -hmm. open and air can move Ah. around them prune them properly, open them up some so that air can move through them, don't shear them, uh, and you can do quite well. Another one I like, Tiny Dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets a, it gets larger than Miss Kim, which is a good one for Southern. Uh, I had good success with Bloomerang until last year. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and, and there's it, quite a few different colors of Bloomerang on the market. Right, and the only reason, <clears throat> one, they're a smaller plant, and just the size of the stems, I think that's what did it in. It would have been cold hardy. Had it not been in an elevated bed and been more established, but so I mean, so we can grow lilacs around here if we
3: do, you know, have the proper um, uh, drainage, uh, making sure the pH is up where it needs to be, the proper amount of sun, and then out of all the lilacs that are out there, try to get the ones that do the best in warmer temperatures because they really do love those cold temperatures up there. In fact, they they bloom better if they get a good mm-hmm. cold winter chill where sometimes down here <laughs> sometimes we might get it sometimes we yeah. might not
1: yeah so they're not getting the chill that's the problem um but i love but them. Do you well now also notice that even though plants like say our plants take zone six seven and eight but the same plant can mm-hmm. look different in zone six versus zone eight yes yeah. Size,
0: lots of difference. Color, yeah. the foliage, Bloom, flowers can yeah. look different. Yeah. yeah, you know, I've got. I was telling them during the break here. I had. Uh, I'm about to transplant a Japanese lilac tree. Um, it's um, the reticul Sirenia reticulata, and it's 12 feet tall. Um, mm-hmm. it has beautiful white blooms on it, very fragrant. would you, Jim? Where'd you get that thing? Have you I, had it so long I, that it's been in the ground now, probably eight or nine years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you first planted it, did you plant it as an experiment, or did you plant it, it like it was an experiment? Okay. Because I'd heard that you could not grow them here, right? From, that, that's what, what I'm asking, right? Right. And and it's like it's in full sun, out <laughs> away from everything, so air moves through it well. And I do some pruning on it to prune it out so it gets some air movement through it. Uh, but last year it was it was really spectacular. It had lots of white flowers on it. So, but. I'm going to have nice. to, because of its size, and because I cannot get all of the root ball, obviously, yeah. uh, I'm going to have to severely cut it back, probably down to three or four feet, just basically a trunk.
3: Well, I'd rather you try than not Absolutely. try at all to say right. get it moved and okay. save it. So, uh, and that is a lilac,
0: though it is, it's
3: because I'm not used lilac. to you know hearing about lilacs getting that so big around here. Fragrant,
0: you can get just you know within ten feet of the tree, and you just really? it's that's just what I was really stunning.
1: Ask. If it smelled as good here as in the north, yeah. But see, you,
3: but you never see that many lilacs mm-hmm. out there, and I'm just wondering. I wonder
0: why. I mean, is it? Be, there's got to be a reason behind it. Yeah, and most of it is our heat, our soil. You know, they they need that hard period of dormancy, which we means. seldom get here. Right. That soil doesn't get cold enough. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're really happier further north. Right, but the ones that do perform better here in the south. They're, you know, I guess if just if you get online and just google southern lilacs, yeah. you're going to get those species that do well in zone 6 and 7 yeah. basically. Much further south, you're not forgetting. Of course, it. now we're at eight. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They'll they all eight. die here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: We're well, starting well, today. Don't forget about it then. <laughs> it grew so,
0: a lilac. But uh, yeah, you know, there's there some really pretty ones out there. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It, it, you got to grow it. You can't just plant it and expect it to, to take care of itself. Okay. We're Good talking, to know.
1: Well, speaking of names that are neat, uh, how about Fizzy Mizzy for a Henry Gurnett Itea? I've heard of Fizzy Mizzy. Fizzy Mizzy. Mm-hmm. Fizzy Mizzy stays more compact. But that that's different than the um there's now there's like three sizes well, you got of Henry the Garnet. Henry's that, Garnet. Yeah, and Henry little then they got little Henry. Yeah, now we have fizzy Mizzy. Yeah, yeah baby Henry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> or his sister. But then, then <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> but what do you think about ITEA as a whole? I mean those well, things as are they,
1: as they started hybridizing or developing different ones, I like them better. Me too. Um because one place where what was the one in there one before henry garnet idea is that more like the native one uh, there
0: well the species henry garnet yeah. was a selection because i think of it's in in uh, intense fall color yeah right so um, i
1: would go i like the smaller ones better the yeah. bigger ones seem to spread if the soil's really good and they, yeah, they have moist. their place you know yeah
0: uh, this is one plant that you can grow if you got a wet spot Atea does great there. Yeah. It'll tolerate some shade and still mm-hmm. bloom. It will yeah. bloom in full sun. has better fall color in full sun. Yeah. Now, I planted a mm-hmm. little henry in mm-hmm. my garden, and it quickly took over. Yeah, and so I had end up having to remove it because Which they
1: said it wouldn't. It, well, it suckers. Yeah, I one mean, of those you know,
0: invasive species. In, in five years, you know, I went from a one gallon plant to a twenty five gallon yeah. plant yeah. that has yeah. to dig out. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Right. So, sometimes so I sometimes The fizzy mizzy may not continue to do that. I think it's more of a compact. One of the attributes: what deer resistant, for sure. And then it, the time it blooms, which is a long white bloom, was, was kind of like an intermediate or a bloom time between other things. So it was good for beneficial and pollination when there's like the less bloom available.
3: Well, but like Jim was saying also, Veda, if you want a plant that's just you can't kill especially in a little boggy, wet area. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and think about this. A lot of our beds that we have, mm-hmm. you know, there's always one end that stays much more wet, it seems like, than the other yeah. end. And somebody's always at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> Somebody is. You're exactly right. So if you want a, a deciduous shrub that has beautiful white blooms in the spring. Beautiful um,
1: fall foliage. You're yes. Uh, well, <laughs> this is, oh, gardeners, I know this is why, everybody's confused because let me tell you what the exposure is for this full shade part shade to shade part sun to sun sun (laughs) sun or shade that's the exposure for this plant which
3: means i guess plant it anywhere you want (laughs) right right?
1: why didn't you just say that (laughs) oh boy and then shade
3: you know what does shade mean around here shade can be it's such a relative term we all know that shade it means so many different things. And when people mm-hmm. say, or I ask them, are you growing this in sun or shade? They'll go, well, it's more shade than anything. I go, well, what do you mean by that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, out you five, go to... yeah, out of five categories here, there's only one that's full sun. Everything else has shade listed to get the different degrees of shade. You know, <laughs> the, no, this right, is just it? a
0: general statement. It doesn't apply mm-hmm. to everything, I understand. But, you know, when, when I see a plant advertised, it'll grow in shade, part shade, part sun, yeah. sun, I think. Well, that thing will grow everywhere. It's gonna grow everywhere. It's gonna be invasive. It's gonna pop
1: up all over <laughs> oh, my yard. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a valid thought. Oh, we gotta get to a break. Wouldn't y'all love it if we didn't have breaks and we just kept talking and talking? All right. I don't let's know, go. about 15 let's... minutes of us is about all that can say. <laughs> that's a good thing and segment. so good. Point. All right, y'all. Y'all are listening to KWAM. Call us 260-5926. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You can also pay, post pictures. No, 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 no. You Good just Good morning said it. And welcome to Mid-South Gardening. <laughs> you can also post your question on Facebook Live or call us 901-260-5926.
3: That's exactly right. And if you miss all of this, guys, you can always go back and listen to the podcast, kwmradio.com, streaming live all the time. And a lot of people come into the Garden Center and say they really enjoy listening to the podcast because they can't get up. Early enough to listen to the show. Uh, I had a gentleman come into the garden center, a guy named Tim, who's a teacher, and I've talked about him before, at uh, Harding Academy. Wonderful guy. Uh, Does great work uh, with the kids over there, getting them outside and getting their hands dirty. But uh, he had a couple of questions. One was, guys, when people are collecting compost, uh, how come there's no seed in the compost? Okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you buy like a bag of black cow, cow manure, 100% cow manure, how come there's no seed in there? Or how come there's no seed in there that's germinating? Well, enough? they're
1: supposed to have composted it to the proper temperature to kill out the seed.
0: Yeah, most all the commercial stuff is run through heaters to sterilize it so that you don't have any weed seed in it.
3: And, that's, and what about if you had a barn and you went out there and you started collecting uh, manure? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be the key there to keep the weed... Because you know all they eat is grass, of course. But so what would, how would we mm-hmm. keep the weed seed from being transported to our beds? Well, and yeah. well, you can't, right? You, know, you need to put a pre-emerge down to stop it from coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah. So even if you've got composted, really well composted manure,
1: or like from your barn, from your yeah. barn, okay.
3: yes, and you're using that for all the right reasons, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. course, in the beds or wherever you want to use it, Jim. You're saying even if that stuff is really composted down. Because a lot of times during that composting process, you know, it will kill some of those weed seeds. But you're saying
0: you still better put a pre-emergent right, down. Right, because the, your ground cover, where the, the, your soil surface is covered with weed seed already. Yeah. That needs to be covered before it will germinate. Okay, so when you put it down, that's the reason so many people blame the mulch company for nutsedge. You know, I never had nutgrass in my bed mm-hmm. until, until I put the, put mulch, the mulch down. down. Yeah. Well, no, the seed was there. It was just waiting to be covered. It mm-hmm. has to be covered and dark and moist. And you just gave it exactly what it right. needs. Yes. So it comes all up. Yeah. That is so and true. And the
1: other thing is usually you're cleaning your stalls or the barn before the stuff gets to even compost. So that still makes mm-hmm. the seeds more uh, live, too. So if you took all that. And put it in a compost pile and turned it and had it heat mm-hmm. to the proper but a lot of people just like to scoop it right out of the barn, right. put it on their plants, which then could burn All even. Right. Well, you know, th- but
0: if it's composted down like it should yeah. be, then you're not gonna burn with that product. No, you're not gonna burn with it. But you know, if it's if you're going out and getting the the mm-hmm. cotton bowl mulch that people, mm-hmm. you know, when farmers they yeah. put it up there, let it mulch and sell it to you or whatever. Right. Um, you know it's going to be full of weed seed because the, the weed seed blows in the air it's just everywhere yeah. so you know expect to get some unless you really get um really pay attention to what you're doing and put a pre-emerge down yeah. to stop most of it from coming up yeah so and okay. we
1: need to be thankful for weeds <clears throat> and weed seeds being so prolific because if that wasn't the case, what would hold our soil down in places that we're not yeah. trying to cultivate? They you put know?
0: a lot of organic yeah. matter into your ground. You know, even the annual weeds that come up, yeah. they put roots down in the ground, they die off all that rots. So that's improving your soil. As much as we hate them, mm-hmm. they really are doing good things for your soil. And Mother Nature hates bare ground. I mean,
3: you know, this if you've got a bare spot in your yard, I mean, something's going to fuel that bare spot. Right. And Mother Nature's usually going to throw some weeds in there, you know, <laughs> because like Jim's saying is the weed seeds are always out there. They're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when the conditions are right, they're going to germinate. You can even go out there. Think about these people that go out there and they want to say they want to Reside or sod a plot of land. And let's just say it's only 15 foot by 15 foot. They want to put some brand new Bermuda sod down. Well, they'll go out there and get a tiller. They'll till this thing up, rake it smooth, come back and lay that sod down, right? Well, everywhere there's a crack between where the sod was laid down, you're going to have weeds come up. Why? Because you move the soil around. Mm -hmm. Just that simple fact, Jim, you're bringing a lot of those weed seeds up close to the surface that have been there for 25 years at least and all they need is to get a little
0: closer to the surface, and they're going to germinate. That's right. And they'll get a little sun on them, so many of them need sun to germinate. And, you know, wheat seeds, are they're so diverse, some of them don't need sun to germinate, some do. So, you know, no, and no matter what you've got,
3: something's going to come up. Yes. <laughs> and know? that's where the pre-emergence come into play. And, of course, you know, that's why, you know, with, you know, we've all talked about this forever. You know, when we had crabgrass growing in our yard— the first thing that we would go grab was Anzar. You know? oh, yeah. And we would spray the Great lawn brother. with Anzar to kill the grassy weeds, including crabgrass. Well, now, you know, homeowners can't buy it. been will buy it for the last 25 years. So, one good way now to keep crabgrass from invading your yard is to put the pre emergent down. You're actually killing the seed or preventing the seed from coming up where you don't have to deal with the crabgrass later on. So it's it's a, I mean, pre-emergence to me are the way to go. Whether you're talking about your beds or whether you're talking about your lawn, if you don't
0: want any weeds out there.
2: Man, that and is... Of course, I'm that, sorry.
0: If you go to a farm store, you can actually buy MSMA. Now, it is not labeled for lawn use. That's right. And it is a violation of federal law to use it inconsistent with its labeling. However, if you go in and buy a five gallon of MSMA, uh, you they'll sell it to you. <laughs> Anytime Jim says, "However," there's a way around it. Right. I'm, I'm not I'm telling you you can use it on your lawn, but I can tell you you can still buy it
3: <laughs> for agricultural true. use. Well said, my man. Veda, you were going to say yeah, something. Yeah, I was. Um,
1: I don't remember. <laughs> I had, oh, pre-emergence. Pre-emergence. I think that's one of the most would be one of the most things that you could do for preventative maintenance yeah. because it's so I mean how much time do you spend in your yard weeding yeah. you know I mean weeding a lot of people like to On and, the beds. and it's nice to do you know and maybe a little section but if you have a lot of area you're spending so much time weeding and you're not Getting to use your energy on the fun things like cutting flower bouquets, <laughs> you yeah. know, because you're weeding.
3: Yeah. And then, of course, preen, you know, that's one of those that's been around forever, which, which is, is Trefland, tref Jim. Mm-hmm. You're right. And, um, you know, people would use that in their beds and they would also use it selectively in some vegetable gardens where there's so many other pre-emergence on the market. Now, uh, Dimension is just one of them. Um, the beauty of Dimension is we typically sell that product for people to put in their lawn. But it's one that you can also put in your beds. Now, you can't use it in a vegetable bed, but as far as just your ornamental beds go, uh, absolutely perfect. And most of these pre emergence, most of them, you know, when you put them down, they're going to have a 90 to 120 day residual. But after that, that that protection's gone. That's mm-hmm. why we have to use it more than one time in a year calendar, right?
1: All right. Are there weeds out now?
0: Now, and oh, let me yeah. say. <laughs>
1: There's always weeds. Oh yeah. so I've what, seen him what, bet
0: trying to bloom already. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Now you know I don't want to get rid of them, but while you know there are people that do. What am I? What can I spray now? Or do I even worry about?
3: Yeah, I mean there's still some either spot treating with a Roundup type product or using some broadleaf weed killers, as uh, long as the temperatures are, you know, not below really 45 degrees, you can still kill some broadleaf weeds. But what I was going to say also in the pre emergence a lot of people think when they put a pre-emergent down, they're not going to have any weeds whatsoever come up because Mm. I put a pre-emergent down. That's not necessarily the case. Some weeds come back from a root, a perennial weed that will come back from a root that you've got to spray to kill. Some of them come back from seed and root. So it does a great job on most of them and all the ones that come up, shouldn't say all of them, most of them that come up from
0: seed. But like I said, remember, there are some weeds that come back from a root that it won't touch. And and face it, you know, it's very difficult to get an absolute 100% coverage, you know, particularly if you're throwing it on top of mulch. Right. Um, it, it will settle through there. I mean, you can do that, but, you know, there are going to be some areas that may not be treated. So if you see a few weeds, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Hey, uh, what about
1: the theory of the pre emergent? You're going to throw it on the beds and there's mulch. Right. Do you double your rate because it's got to get through the mulch or do you still use? As recommended. It's a great
3: question, Vader, because yeah. people do try to double up mm-hmm. on these products. Pre emergence, I wouldn't double up on Jim, back me up on this because it can root prune mm-hmm. whatever you put it around. I mean, it can affect the root system, especially in a lawn. Um so this is one of those cases where I don't think more is better. Mm-hmm. Um
0: I would just I, I would never recommend that.
1: What do you think? Well, a
0: little higher rate in beds. In fact, most labels carry one that you can do that to give you a little longer control, but not in your turf. Yeah, Um, and that's where you really see some damage if we get another like last year. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mid South Garden.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us today. Sorry, I'm eating candy for breakfast. If you want to give us a call <laughs> this morning, like Jamie did, and Jamie, will get right
3: to you. Uh, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. And you can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, and shoot us a text there. Anytime you want, and like we said, Veda, if you miss all of this, you can listen to the podcast at your convenience, KWMRadio.com.
1: Did you say our number was 867 <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I think that was a song that we sang years right. ago, wasn't it? Yeah, just checking, y'all, just checking. Shall we go to Jamie?
0: Yeah, let's talk to Jamie this morning.
1: Good morning, Jamie.
3: Good morning. Jamie, good morning to you, and I apologize. Veda said, should I go to Jamie? The question should have been, how fast can I get to Jamie? <laughs>
4: Look, I just want to thank y'all for your effort with us, with our
0: calendars last week. Y'all, y'all sure are very gracious to us, and we certainly appreciate
3: it. I wrote down in my notes today that uh, people are buying, they're grabbing these calendars. I think that the sales are more brisk this year, Jamie, than mm-hmm. they even have been last year.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting mine. I haven't received them yet. <laughs> Him
4: well, him. I do uh, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't had a report yet, but I, you know, it's a good product. So I hope everybody's enjoying it.
3: Well, we surely enjoyed y'all being up here, and uh, you included your sweet wife Jan, and then the other Jan, and then the other young lady, uh, really talking about these uh, these Memphis area Master Gardener calendars, and talking about the Memphis area Master Gardeners as a whole. It's a win-win situation.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. We appreciate y'all, too, for coming up and sharing all this with us. makes it just more fun. Yeah, it does. And, and
0: tell your dear wife that there's something wrong with that pumpkin bread she left me, and if she'll make me three or four more loaves, I'll try to figure out what it is. <laughs> the shelf life on that thing is not very good, is it? Yeah.
2: Uh-uh. In fact,
0: one of them didn't leave the station.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank y'all We love you Thank bye. you, you. Bye bye
3: Jim you are in. <laughs> He said he's just Trying to figure out What the problem mm-hmm. is With that so, pumpkin bread That yeah. Jan cooked
1: Made a couple more samples yep. so. Oh
3: that's funny um, Veda may I uh, had a customer Come into the garden center And he had planted Two uh Back in the spring And of course One of them On the right side Of the house Looks perfectly fine The other one That's a little lower um, Elevation uh, Is looking brown. I mean, it's just, it's on its way out. And I was kind of going through the motions of asking him, all right, you know, how much is this thing getting watered and how much mulch and, you know, have you fed it and uh, anybody else spraying it and, you know, bagworms and spider mites, everything that, you know, it could possibly be. And of course, the first thing he said when I asked him, I said, well, now, how is this thing getting watered? You know, especially when it was really hot and dry for the last two months of the summer or six weeks of the summer, he said, oh, no, 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 this thing's under irrigation. <laughs> and, and how many times do we hear that mm. where, you know, we've got an irrigation system and we think that everything is getting properly hydrated exactly the way it should because it's under irrigation. And it turned out that it, it it's not, you know. Mm. Um, so it's one of those things where it every turned out year, it
1: wasn't under the irrigation. It, it,
3: it was under irrigation, but it wasn't getting watered uh, the way it should. Yeah. I said, listen. You can go home, pull that mulch back, and start just dig a little hole. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's six inches wide and ten inches deep, and see what that moisture is—not the first inch of the soil, but further down. And sure enough, it was bone dusty, dry. You know, beyond the two inches of the mulch mm-hmm. that he had hmm. pulled away. So uh, barely
1: the irrigation just made it through the mulch and a exactly. little bit of moisture on the soil.
3: Exactly. So, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm bringing this up is. Plants, and Jim always says this, plants always want to live in spite of what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really do. and you know, But there, there is a time where if this arbovita had been established, uh, then it probably would have made it through that really hot, dry spell that we had. But since this thing was newly planted, uh, it just didn't get the hydration that it needed. Uh, so during the growing season, you know, we always say, you know, too much water is just as bad as not enough water. Uh, and under irrigation, you can get both. You can have some that where they're just running way too long or way too often and things are just staying way too wet. Flip side of that is sometimes just like this gentleman, <laughs> it's under irrigation and it's getting that mulch wet. But that's as far as that penetration of water was going. So,
1: yeah, that, that is keep that in mind because he's so sure that you're wrong because it is under irrigation. Yeah, and we get that a lot. Well, it says it's a, you know, it's a false sense of security. Right, right. Because I'll say, this didn't get enough water when they, and I, they say, I'll water every day. And I'm like, what do you, well, when I'm going by, I throw a cup in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going, <clears throat> if you were running in the heat all day, how much water would you drink? Yeah. Definitely more than a cup. Well, and <laughs> the
3: other difference is the one that was still more green on the other side. Uh, It was under irrigation also, which surely the irrigation wasn't giving it enough water. But he also said that's where he also waters part of the yard with the sprinkler. And he said, yes, that particular arborvitae was also getting water from this sprinkler Uh that I use on that side to water the grass. Where the one that was turning beautiful gold brown, Mm -hmm. you know, was never getting watered other than the irrigation.
1: So then Hmm. if you think you should... Um, raise how long your irrigation runs then you all of a sudden going to kill everything else that's established it's
3: crazy I mean if you get them <laughs> dialed in right yeah. they are great to have I'm telling you uh, but a lot of times they're not zoned in the way they should be uh, and they're either just keeping things way too wet or they're just not getting sufficient moisture out there uh, now it might get sufficient moisture to an impatient or a vinca right. or a bedding plant with a small little root system but some of these shrubs that have bigger root systems that were just planted, Jim, back in the spring, it just wanted enough moisture when it got really
0: hot and dry at the end of the summer. Yeah, and there's so much that can go wrong in your bed that you really don't think about. If you've got the least bit of a downhill slope, when you water with an irrigation center system, that water goes through the mulch, starts mm-hmm. running down the surface. If you've planted a new plant at the end, you've created a bowl down there for it to collect water. You have. It's going to fill up with water. Now, that same plant planted at the top of the hill is not going to get any of that. Yeah. You know? And if you actually do the math, if you look at your irrigation coverage, okay, uh, and, and remember that our typical root ball on an established plant is two and a half times the, the size of the plant. Right. So if you got a three-foot wide plant, it's got like a, a seven and a half, eight-foot root span. So it's getting water over every bit of <clears throat> that circle. But when you slap that three-gallon plant in the ground, it's got a 12-inch circle. And it's getting the exact same much per square inch, but it's not getting anything down into that root ball down below. So it's going to be maybe second year, more likely third year, before you can Mm -hmm. depend on your irrigation system taking care of a new plant. And that's why
1: we always try to sell root stimulator with plants, and and 90% of the people go, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. and And the we're just trying to get the roots to establish quicker.
3: I'm with you, Veda. I wouldn't plant a tree or a shrub without using some type of a stimulant. And I tell people even you know, a lot of people plant in the fall, they're planting now. Uh, I, I tell people to use it once a week for a month after you initially planted, then come back in early March and do it again. It's one of those products where you can't overdo it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's doing nothing but good. It's never doing anything bad for you. Not only can you use it on shrubs and trees that you plant now, you can use it on established trees and shrubs that might be having a problem with their root system. But uh, it just made me think back. I wanted to bring that up because I know we talk about it in the summertime, but this thing is just now starting to die.
0: But I'm telling you, every bit of it was because of moisture yeah, it and, wasn't getting it and i have seen some well-established ones that are browning substantially because of the drought okay yeah. there just hasn't been enough water even <laughs> for them particularly where you've got a lot of them planted in a row and there's a lot of water competition for that yes so you know there's some not far from my house that the the south side of them are brown as they can be mm-hmm. the north side still look green you know yeah um, That's so frustrating though yeah, it really is it's just cooked them you know I I don't know why people think that conifers, needled evergreens, you know, oh, they don't need as much water, and that's not true with arborvitaes. Mm-hmm. They during August, September, July, you kind of add some extra water to I mean, them. they to need keep at least 1 inch of water a week at, at least, least. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's um it's kind of counterintuitive, I guess, but they're um they, they really do need some extra water. So now, what if do you had? To dwarf I'll butter spruce, and that sucker will die. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so yes, it will. Oh, what was I going to talk about? Something I'm sorry, about I interrupted. No, that's okay. Go ahead. It'll come to me later.
3: Well, and then I know we got to go to a break here in a second, but I wanted to bring up Veda, Jim, uh, the 2024 Rose of the Year, uh, and to me, I'm not. To me, when I think of rose of the year, mm-hmm. I think of this perfect, bloomed, long-stemmed, like hybrid tea rose, yeah, okay?
1: Right. Well,
3: this is not one of those.
1: So but, it's getting shrubby or well, native-looking?
3: We'll, we'll talk about we'll it. We'll
1: talk about it after the break. All right, y'all give us a call, 901-260-5926. You're listening to KWAM. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Get your questions in, 260-5926. You're listening to the Mighty 990. Yeah,
3: on KWAM, if you want to shoot us a text, uh, the Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Uh, We were talking about the 2024 Rose of the Year. Uh, And like I was telling you, Veda Jim, that I'm so used to thinking about a perfect rose has been a long-stemmed, Beautiful, bloomed uh, rose that goes like in a vase. Yes, yeah, it's the mm-hmm. one I call my, oh, so I'm sorry, darling rose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind oh, of rose, I love it. Because
3: that will go a long way, that type of rose will. Well, this one is actually called Meteor. Uh, it gets about three foot tall, three foot wide. But this is a Floribunda. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Floribunda mm-hmm. roses because usually they're just tough as everything. They bloom their heads off um they're not as susceptible to you know to some of the diseases as some of the hybrid teas are uh and they're like i said they're just heavy bloomers but it kind of just surprised me that a floribunda out of all the roses that are mm-hmm. you know these new additions that come out every year that it took top prize but
1: um and i figured it would been because when i think of cut roses i do think of grandiflora but i think of floribunda also so i was thinking Wow, is it? You mean people are starting to get into the shrub roses, the carefree roses? Well,
3: this is more of a shrub rose. I mean, Floribundas mm-hmm. are more shrubby than they are, you know, long stemmed teas. Mm-hmm. But this one called Meteor, like I say, gets about three foot tall, three foot wide. Blooms start out as a golden yellow shade, gradually turning to a vibrant flush of red. And if you look at the picture, it is
0: really a mm-hmm. beautiful bloom. There's no doubt about it. But, um,
2: and so-
1: I have.
0: That's the first time I've looked at it, and it says it's uh, an extremely um, disease-resistant. You know, it's right. probably everywhere but Memphis. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it looks pretty good. It's small. Now, the only thing, it says it's a, a, a continuous repeat bloomer, but, you know, uh, up here, if you get a little higher in, in this statement, it says it only blooms from July to September. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
3: Floribundas, to me... You know, you always get your heaviest blooms in the mm-hmm. spring, and then your heaviest blooms in the fall yeah. when it's a little cooler. Now, don't get me wrong. It still blooms all summer, mm-hmm. uh, but the blooms are not quite as prolific and quite as big uh, when it's really hot in the summertime. But these Floribundas, they're easy to grow. I mean, I love them as a rose. I truly do. I was just really kind of surprised, and I'm glad that they, they, that it won. Mm-hmm. I was just a little surprised that a Floribunda beat out all those other hybrid teas uh, those new additions that come on the market But Meteor is one to look at And if you ever have grown roses There's one called Ria Samba. Oh, Yeah, Samba That's that. my fave <coughs> right. yeah. But to me this bloom kind of looks like Ria mm-hmm. Samba, yeah. Except on a Floribunda
1: I see the Ria Samba <laughs> Planted in various areas And it shows up so good And the foliage stays so nice too. Uh,
3: so I mean in roses there's one of those things where either you love them Or you hate them it's, There's mm-hmm. no in between I'm telling you but years ago, you know, everybody had roses and rose beds. And then it seems like for about 20 years, they just went away. You know, the, 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 the eagerness to grow roses. But now it's back. Mm-hmm. People love roses. And I guess, Jim, like you were talking about, and Veda, you've said this before, too, that when they came out with knockout roses, that kind of got people to think about roses again. Because everybody in the world were growing shrub-type roses including knockouts mm-hmm. well those aren't the only roses on the market there are some beautiful roses out there that are really easy to take care of uh the only ones to me that you really got to watch after which are really some of the prettiest ones are the hybrid teas yeah. so keep See, that, that, that in kind mind. of
1: goes along <laughs> with how the marketing <clears throat> plays its its part because first off we carried all different varieties of roses Well, this <clears throat> is just in the past and then um Knockouts came out, right, and that's all anybody asked for. Yeah, it, it, yep. I, I and, think
0: it probably cut the hybrid tea and grandiflora business by fifty yeah, percent or more. I agree. And now, yeah. what do
1: we have? No knockouts or disease <laughs> knockouts, because the marketing just over flooded it. Everybody mm. wanted a knockout. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and
0: and the hybrid teas and the floribundas, uh, they're much less likely to get rosette. Yeah. just because yeah. of the way they grow right they're uh, not they're
3: not like a big shrub just big just catching all those yeah. mites <laughs> that come blowing through exactly. right. yeah. right. so well, you know
0: you, you say that um the old house the when carol and i first got married we lived in the old w.o crump house that was built around 1912 or so Oh so wow. cool. uh and it had two beds alongside this long front walk mm-hmm. and at one time they were planted with circus roses circus floribundus and it was stunning I mean, it just really looked good. You know, it's probably 15 or so down each side. Yeah. Uh, And it really, when they were in full bloom, it was really pretty. And remember, everybody had those beds on either Mm. side of that front walk,
3: from
1: the sidewalk
0: to the front porch. And I'm
1: always like, why? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially roses, that'd be kind of painful to walk. They must have kept them manicured and all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And that's the nice thing about floribundas aren't huge plants like the grandiflores and that's and right. tend to be. they are definitely a
3: shorter plant right. grandiflores can get huge they can yeah. get six to eight foot tall hiberties can get six foot tall Floribunda is usually not near that it's more of a uh, a well-kempt uh dwarf rose yeah. with tons of blooms on it
2: mm-hmm.
1: we have some climbing roses in stock white and red and they've been blooming all fall just a, it's just amazing. That you that I think roses should only be blooming in spring, but to see them blooming now, and just luckily I have the white and the red left, so it's just a nice little Christmas. And color. let me say
3: this real quick, and we get off roses because you know roses—the really big push on roses is next spring, but also um, you know the English roses—they've um, mm. really become popular. Uh, For all the right reasons, don't get me wrong. I mean, the beautiful blooms on them and the way that they bloom, kind of like the old bourbon roses of many, you know, centuries ago. Uh, But the David Austin roses, which is a modern English rose. And one thing about them, one of the attributes is the fragrance. I mean, they have some of the best fragrance on that bloom than than any rose. So um, roses are fun. You just Mm got to know what you're doing. You got to have, you know, more sun than shade. You better have good drainage. You want high pH. You want to feed them every month. And depending on the rose, especially if you're growing hybrid teas, like uh, Jim and Vader were just saying, you better be prepared to do a little spraying where a lot of these grandifloras, floribundas in particular, and some of the shrub roses, nah, much easier mm-hmm. to take care of.
1: Yeah, just put a rose here or there in your landscape. And then it just kind of blends in with the whole care of your garden. Mm-hmm. If you've got a whole bunch of roses together, then that's more of a rose hobby. That you need to be taking care of, spraying, Mm. fertilizing, maintaining, and all. If you got them throughout your landscape, here and there, it's not as difficult.
0: Oh, heck, yeah. no! And I have to disagree with Kenneth here on one thing because he says people either love them or hate them. <laughs> <laughs> there is a middle ground. Yeah. I love them in somebody else's yard. Oh,
2: <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, Jim. I yeah. was just going to ask
3: you. You know, you brought up that that memory of you had in the first house that you and your sweet wife mm-hmm. lived in mm-hmm. of these beautiful floribundas down the whole you know walkway. And that's a wonderful memory that you mm-hmm. still have. Right. Well, how can you not want to reproduce that again? How can you ha- how can you not want to have beautiful floribunda
0: roses growing out there in your own landscape?
1: Hey, what did you do with those? Did you leave they, them? They were, or?
0: No, I think they, over time, just finally, you know, yeah. even the good roses in time kind of, they need to be replaced mm-hmm. yeah. and you get better flowering out of them with, you know, some of those that get six or eight years old. But ultimately, they were removed, and Lantana was placed in there, uh, which, you know, which was also spectacular. So, you know, it's a lot of fond memories of, of that. Yeah. It, the house, um, they planted in memory of, I think, in World War, um, may have been World War One. they planted crocus in a star form in the middle of the lawn and you were kidding me yep and every year in this you know the bermuda would be brown and that green star yeah. would come out you know and there wouldn't be so many flowers because mm-hmm. they had just they were grown so close together over the 50 or 60 years that they've been there before we wow. saw them. but the star was perfect i mean you'd see that green yeah. foliage come up and it's just you know and i that is really wow. crazy jim it, it that was really a good memory and
3: those uh crocus were still coming back are the I guess the Default approach was. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. So
1: you can tattoo your Bermuda line.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and that brings me to a story of, you know, the house that we first moved in when me and my wife, Gina, got married. Uh, we had some friends come over and, you know, a little get-together, dinner, whatever. Well, one of the friends, so-called friends, <laughs> still a great friend of mine, uh, on the way out the door, which I didn't know, had uh, some green seeds. Uh, in his pocket and he just a big old smiley face of turnip greens in the front yard and sure enough two weeks later I go out there and there's this big green smiley face coming up (laughs) in my Bermuda and I'm like
0: I wonder where this came
2: from
1: yeah we
0: used to, there was a lady that well anyway we used to write words with the ryegrass in her (laughs) yard
1: or round up in the summer we'll be right back for more Gardening Fun
0: The garden help you need. Now, Mid South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the third hour of Mid South Gardening. Yes, you knew I almost forgot that, right? Didn't <laughs> you knew say my there. pause. You know what, Kenneth? Did you just hear that silence right there? That's why you have to talk, Kenneth, because those little silence moments happen if Kenneth's not there to recover us. You're
3: great. I love it.
1: Yeah. So, anywho, we are in our third hour of gardening, and we'd love to know what y'all have got going on in your garden. Y'all can post Facebook questions. Otherwise, we get tons of questions during the week and on the Facebook live page. And so we go over some of those things, too, because Mm -hmm. we do find seasonally that all gardeners have something similar that's going on.
3: I mean, this is, you know, we're getting into the winter mold. So that's it's not as aggressively busy outside for homeowners Mm -hmm. as it is during the spring and summer months, of course. But there are still things to do like you're
0: talking about. Well, then
1: I have a question on Mm -hmm. what to do. Uh, Jim just showed us these blue-painted trees in Collierville. When's the right season to paint paint trees blue?
0: It's actually along Germantown Greenway. Um, Never seen that. They're um, a a deep blue. The trunks of trees you're talking about. Uh This is apparently a well-known artist who does this. Does Uh it hurt the tree at all, or is it just painting the bark? I wouldn't think so. You know, I wouldn't think they would allow him to do that.
1: I know. How long will it stay on there? I mean, that's
0: a good question. Very, very long. Very
1: very long. I mean, like you see people paint the trees white with what is that, lime and water and gypsum or something? And that stays on. But they're doing that for a reason. This
3: is strictly for art.
1: I know, but I'm saying this that blue paint looks so thick that it looks like those will be blue trees for a very long and, time and
3: i've never heard of that jim i mean it's then they're
1: going to have an artist come back and paint over it and try to make it look like a real tree again hey i've
3: seen people take old wreaths that mm-hmm. have turned
0: brown and paint them green yeah uh, for all the right reasons i could go with
1: that yeah so this yeah.
0: artist is named constantine Demopoulos. okay um rather interesting yeah I've never heard of people doing that, Jim. I've never heard of a city doing that either. So we'll
3: mm-hmm. ha- I have to drive by there and see what it looks like. Yeah, go by there. <laughs> uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask this morning, uh well first of all, you can give us a call, nine oh one two six zero five nine two six, or you can shoot us a text on the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page, Mid South Gardening. But one of the things I wrote down because I'm and I did some reading about it. Uh do you know how all cities have typically street lights, right? Mm-hmm. And they're changing the old street lights over to the new more efficient LED lights okay and I mean you can really see a difference at night too if, if, if you haven't noticed um, but is that do, do LED lights have an adverse effect on trees and shrubs or does it have an adverse effect at all and I surely understand why cities including Memphis are changing over to LED because I mean they're again they're do not draw near as much power. surely cheaper for the city to do it. They put out more light. Um, so they're just more efficient, you know, all the way around. But I was doing some some reading, Jim and Veda, and most of the articles that I read were absolutely it is no big deal to have LED lights in street lights compared to the other type of light that we had as far as having adverse effects on plants, uh, trees, and shrubs because of light pollution, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the articles were really concentrating more on what does it do to the insect population, the, the pollinators mm-hmm. that are out there because they said a moth will fly around a light at night until it falls right. dead.
1: Well, you that know? is called light pollution. It is because there's just so and that was a thing about <clears throat> um, remember well, I was talking about that before, there's never there's not a place you can go where it's dark. That's outside, where it's dark, where you can see all the stars. And so this continual lighting is uh, throwing the rhythm yes. off of our environment. Right,
3: and that yeah. was, you know, all. if you start reading about, you know, light pollution on trees and shrubs, in fact, Jim made a comment even, was it last weekend, Jim, you were saying maybe
0: arbovitaes. Um, I have seen it on um, particularly spruces. Oh, spruce, uh, okay. But they were next to a uh, gas light. Yeah. Uh, which was you know on at night, and that side browned off. But but that was light
3: that was causing that the though, gas. and that's mm-hmm. what got me thinking about. Well, what about all these new, really mm-hmm. efficient, more powerful, brighter LED lights that are out there on hey, these night lights? What
1: about the LED? Is it a cool? Not not the color oh, it's cooler. No, yeah, it's it's, the, it's white. Not the color cooler, but an LED does not produce as much heat. Oh uh,
0: yeah, you yeah. so, a, a traditional incandescent bulb produces about ninety percent heat mm-hmm. and really less than ten percent light.
1: So maybe that's uh, a it's, benefit. It's
0: way the opposite with LEDs. They about ninety five percent of it is light. Yeah, okay, you get almost mm-hmm. no heat from them.
3: Well, the beauty also of LED lights they can uh, the spectral uh, composition of LEDs can be changed, mm-hmm. or it can be customized. Yeah, I mean because right. think in, in you know in in these big growing operations they have LED grow lights that have more of what the the, the blue and the white spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think red, the red spectrum has less to do with uh, uh, adversely affecting trees and shrubs than any of the other colors. But I guess what I'm bringing this up is people will start to see in their neighborhoods, if you hadn't already seen it, the street lights being changed over to these LEDs. And I'm telling you, they're much, much brighter. At night, it looks like daylight out there. Well,
1: didn't you read the beneficials were actually going to the light and our beneficials? Well, but being... they've been
3: doing that to lights anyway, though. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. how LEDs would you know, have any more of an adverse effect on the insects, the pollinators, than the old-fashioned, uh, you know, streetlights that we had. But my question was, since they are producing so much more light out there, uh, and trees and shrubs, and, you know, they go through this natural. They know when it's daytime, and they know when it's nighttime, and different things happen during the day on this these trees and shrubs than happens at night. And I was just wondering, do they kind of ever get a chance to rest? No, no. You know, but uh, there again, you know, most of the reading that I did, uh, it it was saying that it didn't have any adverse effect, which I thought was pretty interesting yeah. uh, that it wouldn't. And like Jim made a comment also on most of these LED street lights, the uh, the majority of the light is directionally downward. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's lighting the street, not so much, you know, yeah, the cold,
0: the house yeah. and everything else. Yeah, they switched ours a couple of weeks ago. And when I go out at night now, if there's no clouds, I can see so many more stars than I used to be able to see. Okay. Yeah. Um, So that's all. No no changing glasses or anything like that. um, Right, because I guess more that light has been directed
3: more downwards. Right, and I'm
0: not getting, you know, from lights in the distance, I'm not getting that sideways light to uh, influence my eyes. So it's, uh, I'm like them. So,
1: on a whole, really, less heat in the environment, producing if, like, if all the United States or whatever did the LEDs. Surely more so, energy efficient. Right. More energy efficient, uh, casting the light down instead of up. So, that helps a lot. I know the light pollution, as they call it, messes up the rhythm of the cycle and all. That's a hard one to figure out how to m- make this work yeah. because, unfortunately, here you. Got to have lights. You got to have It's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I, unless you're planting directly underneath the light, you know, mm-hmm. something like mums or something that are so dependent on the the photo period and the, and the darkness for setting their flower bud, right? I don't think you're going to see any difference because we're not starting from going from dark now to light. We're starting from light to more light right so there's not a huge change in the amount of light that they're getting okay so i don't think your shrubs or trees or anything like that are going to notice any difference. All right, good because i mean it got me wondering jim i mean that's a lot of light out there you know it so yeah. it's just those things mm. that are really photosensitive like like moms uh, you know uh, that, that i think you may have an issue with them blooming
3: and you know and like i said you know depending on what you read most articles said that it wasn't going to be a big deal. But there were some articles that I was reading that were like, it's going to be a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, well, you know, is it really? And that's why I started just more articles I read, the more I was thinking that, hey, this is not going to be a big deal as far as adverse effects.
0: You know, I think I mentioned uh, in a show previously that when I was at the Botanic Gardens, Rick the director there was uh, um, not for moving the Christmas light decorations that they have up now into the woodland area because of how it would change because there you're going from dark yes to having all this light and he was very concerned about what that would do to many of the the plants in there um so it's uh, yeah like i say if you're going from dark to bright light now it would make a difference you may see some difference but most everything i think is going to be unaffected
3: all right, guys, we're up and running this morning. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. we got to go to a break. But also, if you want to shoot us a text, uh, the Mighty 990 Facebook page, uh, Mid-South Gardening.
1: In USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. We'll be right back. Good morning welcome back, gardeners. Goodness gracious, I didn't get to finish my almond joy. Gotta no, have I was a little. A little
0: story during the break there, and then got oh, both of them choked up choked here. The, so to leave the room for a second. I,
1: <laughs> ooh, I almost couldn't even start. Anyway, <laughs> what you gonna fall asleep just with the sound of a vacuum cleaner? Oh yeah, yeah, any <laughs> sound of
0: motor, you know, and I start getting drowsy. Oh, except a car. I'm just. All make right, that clear. yeah. Let's.
1: Who <laughs> clarify that? you yeah, which makes me think of all the noise like the one, the day I'm off yeah. somebody is there always a the lawn maintenance screw is around i That's, had
0: uh, if you remember mm-hmm. i had to have both hips replaced because i got uh, cobalt poisoning yeah, from the right. ones that i had and the only thing that i know of that was um permanent after you know I Almost died. Yeah. Um, is this intense ringing in my ears? It sounds like you know if I'm, if everything's quiet, it sounds like i got two cicadas <laughs> hanging as earrings.
2: <laughs> right. So
0: it's very Uh-oh. very loud. You know. Yes, now no. you know as we're talking, mm-hmm. I can talk over it. Yeah. But right now, it's buzzing in my ears like mad. So uh, it, to sleep at night, I have I put in earphones and listen to waterfalls or box fans or vacuum mm-hmm. cleaners or something <laughs> like that to be able to get some sleep. So, um, Jim said, Thank
2: We're not going to talk about whether or
0: not my wife sleep. snores or not. Like right. <laughs> oh, Lord. Jenna, Jim cause... said his wife would cut on the vacuum cleaner he'd
3: go sound
2: asleep. <laughs> right. So, oh, Lordy. It he...
3: keeps me from having the vacuum. <laughs> uh, what about, um, Bulbs. We know, you know, we always tell people, typically people wait till around Thanksgiving to plant their Mm -hmm. bulbs. Well, we're around
1: Thanksgiving. I was going to ask that. Who's having their relatives over for Thanksgiving and told them they were planting bulbs after? Exactly, Veda.
3: So, yeah, if you've got, uh, you know, tulips, daffodils, all the minor bulbs, uh, anytime now you can start getting these bulbs in the ground. And also, if you want to have beautiful blooms indoors you know two of the easiest bulbs to grow Mm -hmm. that you don't have to pre-chill or anything all you do is pot them up and add water are the amaryllis and the paper whites Mm -hmm. Um, so you can go ahead and get those going uh, inside if you hadn't already done it
1: man you can put a paper white and so because you don't have to have a drainage hole no paper whites we've always planted them in gravel Mm -hmm. and they turn out looking really nice sometimes you can put a little moss on top of the gravel to decorate it up that way But um, it's just a really easy, fun project, great project Mm -hmm. to do if you've got kids or grandkids and you're wanting to introduce them, you know, into uh, bulbs and all the amaryllis. That's amazing that you can grow those like you can get amaryllis vases even Mm -hmm. where water will come Mm -hmm. right up to the bottom (laughs) of the bulb Mm -hmm. like a paper white can be completely in water.
3: And then you can get the waxed amaryllis that yeah. all you do is just take it out of the container, set it on the table, never water it, never do anything to it, and that thing just starts blooming.
1: Oh, speaking of waxed amaryllis, well, I put a, some in the refrigerator to slow them down. Yeah. Well, you know, there was, this is refrigerator at work, and it's one of the old ones that went to the warehouse, you know, well... The backside, the inside the refrigerator, if you get stuff too close to the back, it freezes. <laughs> Got it. I'm saying some people know that. So these amaryllis were pushed all the way to the back, like five of them.
3: Make sure they're not they freezing back there. They were frozen. Yeah.
1: Took them out, didn't know they were frozen. Took them out, set them on the counter. I mean, it didn't take long. That wax started cracking, and it started oozing out the bottom. So don't, that's why I say don't put bulbs in the freezer. No. And if the back of your refrigerator <clears throat> can freeze, don't put them back there. Yeah, it never hurts
3: to chill bulbs. In fact, a lot of people store their bulbs in a cool place like a refrigerator, not the freezer. But when we were talking about paper whites a while ago, ben, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how I love the the fragrance of Ziva paper mm-hmm. whites. Those are your old-fashioned, very fragrant Uh, paper whites, but I tell you, you get online and start reading about Mm. what some people think about the fragrance, it is, you will crack up, I'm telling you, some people hate it that much, but there is the in-ball paper white varieties that are a little shorter species, it doesn't get quite as tall as the Ziva, but they're not near as fragrant, and when I tell people that, some of them just run over there, I mean, because they don't want that fragrance for the most part. But most people still say no, no, no. I want these over here that mm-hmm. have that wonderful fragrance. So and everybody's
1: different. The bigger the bulb, the better the bloom you're going to get. The longer the bloom you're going to get.
0: That is so true. You yeah. know, particularly if you're buying particularly bulbs that you that are going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know and even the ones that are going to come back tulips i mean if you're going to buy a tulip it's only going to last one year get the biggest mm-hmm. bulb you can get to get the most magnificent flower right you know i've seen yeah. some of these you know if they're the size of a quarter and hey, we're having yeah right. you
1: know and then a lot of people like to get those because they're cheaper but that's not the way that uh, works yeah, yeah. you, you know, get a little weak spindly tulip. get a
0: big double note two or one on the on a jonquil. The flowers are absolutely huge, you know? Yeah, and I do like,
3: I mean, all the bulbs uh, data that we Mm -hmm. sell, you and and I, uh, most of them come back every year great. In fact, a lot of them just multiply. Uh, The tulip in particular, though, and I love tulips because there's nothing out there that looks like a tulip other than a tulip. You really plant those as an annual, like Jim was just saying, you know, just prepare to plant those every year. I'm telling you, all the other bulbs, they typically are going to come back year after year. So keep that in mind also.
1: You know what I like to do with paper whites? Get all the, we call it onion skins off the outside. They're so full. And I get fidgety, and there's the box by my desk. And so I'll stand there and start peeling the,
3: the, paper, the paper off because of it's so
1: fun. Well, if Fountain Tech Adam was sitting at the desk... And I was just doing that, doing that. Like, I have plenty to do, but I'm kind of resting, staring, getting some zen. And he looks up, he goes, stop. Because <laughs> you can hear it. And I go, Adam, I have to get these off. I can't stop until they're all off. He gets up and gets the shop back.
3: That's what we do. do or we get the We get the, actually take it outside and, yeah. and get the blower out. Yeah, and, and blow he just the skin started off sucking it.
1: all the skins out of the box. And I thought... Well, that was kind of satisfying, too. And then he <laughs> sat back down and continued to fill out the calendar. But he was like, stop it. That's and funny. And he goes and fixes it.
0: Don't do that with hyacinths, though, folks. Ew, no. Tell them they can why. make you itch. Yeah. Most people have an allergy to the skin, the oils that are on a hyacinth. So even if you're buying them in the store... You know, look for a glove or put a, grab them with a piece of paper because they can sure irritate your hand.
3: And they do me, Jim. I hate uh, handling hyacinths. Uh, they, the,
1: n- they never done that to me. They do me. Until somebody told me that could happen. And now no. they make me itch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and remember last week you said um, I was overthinking it? Well, all week I've spent overthinking the overthinking. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and that's definitely overthinking right there. Right,
1: right. Uh, anyway.
3: On the, um, you know, one another thing that people love, other than houseplants in general, they and we know that the last, well, since COVID started, uh, houseplant sales have just gone through the roof. It's just been a... Uh, it's been a phenomenon that no one saw. I mean, because mm-hmm. people wanted to take care of these beautiful green plants, wanted to bring them in their house, where they felt more at home. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the plants that people have always loved also are Phalaenopsis, okay, which are, of course, an orchid in my mind. I'm sure it's a type of orchid, but mm-hmm. the Phalaenopsis are the ones that are easier to grow than, your, say, some of your true orchids. And the reason I'm bringing this up...
1: <laughs> it's a true orchid. <laughs> well, okay... It's phalaenopsis, easier orchid to grow. yeah, yes, yeah. Thank so you, they seem like they're just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
3: But to me, phalaenopsis are the way to go because mm-hmm. you know you get more repeat blooming periods than some of the other
0: varieties. Is yeah,
1: some like that? Is it calathea? Calathea?
0: No, that's that's what not is, an orchid.
2: is
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the,
0: the cymbidiums that's right. are difficult. The cattleyas are difficult. Cattleya, yeah. that's what I'm yeah, talking they're, about. Yeah, they're they're they need a greenhouse to really get good blooms off of them.
3: And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, okay, most people when you go out and buy an orchid, it's going to be a phalaenopsis, yeah. right? Um, my wife bought one, let's say about a year ago, and it was on the kitchen table, and it it had. Tons of blooms on this stem, okay? And these these blooms lasted for four or five months.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: and, of course, eventually all of them just fell off. Uh, and she didn't cut off that that right. blooming stem, Good. Mm-hmm. guys, because exactly. it was still alive. And I was uh-huh. reading about that the other night. I was wondering, should she had cut that mm-hmm. stem off? And the reason I'm, I was asking myself that is it's got one bloom that's re-bloomed on the very end of, yeah. Of this stem So you've got this Phalaenopsis in this pot Beautiful foliage This stem that comes up and kind of weeps back over And there's one bloom yeah. At the end of this thing But last night I noticed there's another Bloom starting mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. behind That bloom So my whole point, the reason I'm bringing this up Is if you have Phalaenopsis And if you, if it was me I would have cut that stem back Right after they got
0: through blooming But it's better not to right. Don't do it Unless You cut. What I normally do is cut back to the second spur yeah
3: that's what everybody Mm -hmm. was saying that gina didn't even do this she just left the thing you can leave it it would bloom
0: yeah but it seems to bloom at least it will stimulate the production Uh of that bloom faster you know Uh those hormones that Mm -hmm. control that go to the tip of the to the stem so if you cut that off and stop it then it forces those buds to come on out
1: Mm, i might do that on a few
0: yeah that's uh
3: because I would have There's never known. Because right I would have just cut that thing back to ground level and just hope for the best. But Jim, you're saying you can cut them back after they get completely through blooming, but just go back to the second second node. little
0: spur on there, yeah, mm-hmm. and cut that off. And then you know, if once that one does, then cut it back off all the way to the to the yeah. down to as low as and you can. And then let a new stem come out, right? And I like during the winter time to put them in the window between my uh, shears and the window. So they get some 45-degree nights. Oh. That's really good for help simulating flowers. Well, I was going to ask him, you know, is there any other tricks of the trade on getting them, them. bloom? There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, now, try, to wa- try to always water them with warm water if you can. Always have fertilizer in your water. Yeah. But yeah. you want to cut your dose way down. This time okay. of year. All the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're going to constant feed them, cut it down. I use... Um, about 25 percent uh, you know if it says put a tablespoon of whatever fertilizer water soluble you're using you're cutting that Put about in half. a quarter i'd go down to 25 percent because you're constantly using it every time you right. water you know you're only going to water it once a week or so mm-hmm. and so every time you water it it gets a little fertilizer and you don't use ice cubes to water it either no i don't
1: Welcome back again and again. Yep, welcome back. This is back. for the third hour. We've had a blast with y'all, and of course, y'all are awake and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed now, yeah. giving us some calls. Let's go to David from North Memphis. Good morning, David.
4: Good morning, gang. Good. How are you? Hey, David. Good morning to you, buddy. I, I got to tell you, one of my favorite times um, is during this year when the Color changes on the leaves. Mm-hmm. It's a nice, brisk wind. I'm sitting out in my porch. I probably should have put on an extra sweater, though, to be honest.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, <laughs> and I pick up paper every Saturday and Monday around my house and the school and neighbor's yard. And I have you guys on blast. And it's it's very, very nice. Well,
3: I've said this a thousand times. Either I wish I was living right beside you or I wish you were living right beside me, Dave. One or the other. Lord.
4: Well, well, sometimes when I'm blasting my jazz, I get complaints.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, and I want to tell you. uh,
1: Imagine that. Somebody's going to have to complain for anything.
3: Yeah, but David's the one that would get up, you know, he'd cut his grass, mm-hmm. he'd go cut, you know, either his neighbor's grass. I mean, like his yard wasn't enough to cut, so he'd cut his neighbor's. And then, you know, David, you're getting up, like you said, on Saturday mornings, making your rounds, picking up trash. I mean, just trying to make your, uh, you know, your little Garden of Eden even better. So that's a, there you, there you
4: go. a pat well, on the back hey, from children, us. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Children would be out for a week, so that's a little bit of a break. Yeah, that's, ex-
3: that's exactly right.
1: So, so what I'm about moles? How are your moles doing? Well, I'm calling you guys.
4: I would have invited you guys to the funeral, but I didn't have a burial plan. <laughs> 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 so when I found the mole, what was it? I was I was emotionally thirsty, yeah. thirsty. And I, I I that's a mole. Now, what was interesting about the mole, he was dead. He definitely was dead, or she. Yeah. I don't know which. I didn't check.
0: Doesn't matter. I don't know if you can check. <laughs> Doesn't
4: matter.
0: <Yeah. laughs> it's like puppies. You look at the bottom of their feet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a dead mole, and I hate to say this, but a dead mole to me is a good mole. I'm telling
4: you. They, but but they have the nicest fur. I know. Yeah.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. They're so soft when you're holding them. They how could you yeah. do anything mean? Yeah,
4: (laughs) But that's the first I don't know if you guys remember this But I started working on my Mm -hmm. yard for two reasons
1: I do Um, remember
4: I was still And that helped a lot So I I called you guys And y'all want another radio station Y'all worked me through it I appreciate that And um, what was the other reason Oh, I forgot what the other reason was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you've got my issues. He's right here on good on this program, <laughs> wasn't he? <laughs> I forgot that quickly what the other reason
4: was. Whatever it was, it was good. Uh, but, but, David, uh,
3: I'm telling you, moles, M-O-L-E-S. Oh, the moles, the moles,
4: the moles it was it wild. Was, the moles came five years. Yeah. And, and this is the fifth year, I think we're going to the sixth year this, this spring, so. And you guys helped me with that. So uh, both of those reasons why. I
1: think and notice me. it yeah. took six years yeah. because it's an th- ongoing thing, isn't it? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But I Dave,
1: think, you know, I'm looking at
4: him. Let me say this. I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm saying, well, he doesn't have any marks around his neck or anything. <laughs> and, and he was kind of fat. I said, I think he just died of overeating. He, <laughs> he He probably died of just
3: old age. You know, and them son of a guns, and I hate them. And I hate to say even the word Mm -hmm. hate, but I hate moles because Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you have this beautiful, pristine, beautiful yard or bed, and the next thing you know, this getting just riddled by these moles, David. And the the frustrating thing is, there's just nothing on the market that's yeah. 100% effective in getting rid of them. That's what runs people because crazy.
1: we would be so well off if we could invent something yeah. that would totally eradicate the moles from your yard. Yeah. You got well, ideas, to Jim? Listen,
4: to the listening audience, I've been through chewing gum. I think they like the chewing gum. <laughs> I've
2: been
4: through those things that make the, the sound. I yeah. think they were dancing like it was soul strength. <laughs> 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 I finally got through something that kind of works. I, I, from you guys, actually, you know, the castor oil, yeah. what I've done is, since the doctor says, David, you can no longer eat hot sauce, I put a little hot sauce yeah. in there, and I said, <laughs> if I'm going to have to suffer from not eating hot sauce, you're going to have to suffer from sniffing
3: it. Exactly yeah. right. And that's what my friend that's uses. True. He used castor oil and uh, hot sauce, and he pours enough yep. in there now to make it count, mm-hmm. trust me. And he got that's rid right. of them that way.
4: That's right. That's right. They don't. They do not like hot sauce. So I appreciate y'all. And the, the, the third reason I call you is to wish you and yours the best of the holiday season. Well, you thank you, oh, thank you
0: very much,
3: David. Thank you. you just you just and beat I'm me to it. the
4: punch.
1: Oh, I have one more and question. I remember you had put pine needles down around areas that you were having mole problems, and you had seemed to see a little bit of result with that. I don't
4: remember the result. Maybe they were picking their teeth with them. But I don't. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I have, that is stuck in my head about the pine needles, and I wanted to ask.
2: Uh, all
4: no, right. No, i will the pine needles. No, I'm done with that. But I'm hoping, God's willing, and with everybody, stay safe. Uh, it's crazy out here now that we look forward to a 2024 and listen to you guys again in the new year. Thank oh, you, Oh, man, David. you're a great
3: day. We love you, buddy, and happy Thanksgiving to you, man.
4: Thank you. Happy Thank, Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. Um, yeah.
3: What a great guy. I'll brag about David every chance I get.
1: I knew. He's a great guy. But
3: the moles, I'm telling you, it runs people crazy. Let me say this. I told you all this story real quick where the customer pulled up in front of Dan West Garden Center on Poplar Avenue. Mm -hmm. I mean, cut across three lanes, cut in front of traffic, bounced his way up in the parking lot, and didn't stop till he hit the car bumper. Okay? And I'm thinking, (laughs) whoa, there's something wrong with that guy. He gets out, he looks at me, he's in a daze, his eyes are spinning, I told you, his, his hair is frizzed up. He runs out, jumps around, runs around the car to the back door, opens it, reaches down, and pulls up a mole with a butcher knife stuck through it. <laughs> Remember I told you all this story? He dove on this thing with the butcher knife, and he was so pleased and so happy with what he had done, he had to share, Yeah. and, and the only way, I guess, to prove it is to show me, and I'm like... That's when I said, you need, you've got to calm down, <laughs> you know, right. no, you shouldn't be leaving this place <laughs> until you calm down. But that's what moles do to people. Mm-hmm. It just runs them crazy.
1: I remember someone had called in the show so many years back that would sit in his lawn chair. Mm-hmm. And wait for the mole tunnels to move. They said
3: at 10 o'clock in the
1: morning then, is the best
0: time to do it. Yeah,
1: pop uh-huh. them, take the shovel and pop them in the head with the and shovel it feels, like little bunny foo It feels
0: so good about it. Yeah, a lot of people will take these little um, uh, little orange flags, you know, they use for staking. Mm-hmm. for a uh-huh. survey flag? Yeah, survey yeah, flags. Yeah. And put them in there. And so they just sit and wait for one of them to move. Ah, and that's then hilarious. they run over there and attack it. That's yeah, yeah.
3: Well, I'm all for it. Anything that can get rid of a mole, I'm all for it. And let me say this real quick, also, and I'll get off of it. I went to a lady's house one afternoon, and I told you all this. And this is a small front yard. Beautiful landscape, but a small front yard. And she was having a mole problem. Well, she called somebody, and this is about four years ago, uh, to come over there and take care of the mole problem. Uh, You know how David was talking about those sonic devices, and he said the moles were just dancing to the tune? (laughs) They had sonic devices in her front yard. And guys, I'm telling you, they were no more than probably a foot apart, and there were probably 500 in her front yard. <laughs> <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever I seen know. in my life. I mean, an ant would not <laughs> crawl across that front yard, much less a mole. So
0: I guess it all depends. If you, if you use enough of the stuff, mm-hmm. it might work. Well, you know, I told you the one about the guy that had bought all these um, little spinning daisies. Yeah put them all the way down his property line he said you know that house next door has been vacant for a couple of years and the moles come over here you know and i looked at all those flags and said well i understand why that (laughs) house
1: has been vacant i can't (laughs) deal i was working a randy moskowitz yard it's a large yard and um the uh pest control guy came in and i he was there treating for moles and i go tell me what do you do right and he goes you know we bypass everything and just set traps yeah i was like okay um that works uh, next year, I came to work in his yard, and it's wooded in areas, and then there's mm. open space and all. And I came around the trees, and I'm looking way down there at that pasture part, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, "What are those birds? What is that?" And I keep getting closer. I'm like, "This—it's in a cluster. What in the world?" As I get closer, it's traps. Oh, it's, so it's just like you were saying—if you use so enough of them, many together. And then one mistake people make with the mold traps. Is when they stick them in the ground, it straddles the mole hole. And so the mole's still running under the trap. So you've got to make sure the trap gets in the tunnel.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, there's, but like I said, it just, it, it runs people crazy because there's no easy way to get rid of them.
1: All right. We got to run to a break really quickly and we'll be right back. If you want to get that last minute question in, 901 260 5926. Good Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I know y'all are going to be getting ready for holidays this week. Maybe fixing up your containers. Mm-hmm. Maybe needing a little something, something for inside. That a happy bloom. So check your independent garden centers for that. Yeah, uh, they'll have a lot of fun, different things. I
3: want to wish everybody a uh, happy, a great Thanksgiving mm-hmm. also. Um, can I say this real quick? I no. had a customer come into the garden
1: center, <laughs>
3: and she showed me, a had a picture of uh, the front of her house. <clears throat> and I was telling y'all, this house had the ability to look really pretty. It's a nice two-story home with bay windows on the front, two of them, you know, one on either side of the front door. I mean, just a nice two-story home. Mm-hmm. It was so overgrown that it, it you, you, you couldn't see the house. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where we get so used to seeing something like that. If it's our own home, we don't realize how overgrown all the shrubs and trees are. And it it looked horrible. And I'm not saying that. I mean, I could care less because it's not my house. Um, but in my eye, it looked bad because you could. It took away from the beauty of the house. Right. Exactly. So she said, you know, she had a good bit of damage last winter, especially on these uh, zayas that were completely way overgrown. So they were going to take them out because of all the damage that was on there, uh, and it had these two huge crepe myrtles, one on either side of the uh, the you know the front door. The symmetry was there for the crepe myrtles, but these were thirty foot crepe myrtles, mm-hmm. it, and they were planted in the bed right up next to the wall of the house. Um, so it was just one of those things where I just want to bring it up that sometimes we definitely try to do the right thing when we're landscaping, but we don't think ahead as far as how big these shrubs are going to get. And then by the time they get there, like I said, we're just so used to seeing them overgrown that we don't really notice how it's taken away from the beauty of the house.
1: Unfortunately, I've heard statements from both people that do landscaping and homeowners, too. Well, I don't care what it's going to look like in 10 years because I'm not going to live there.
3: Okay, well, that's... Or
1: because I'm going to pull it out, which is... Not a good way to look at things. Well, I think she was
3: looking at just the opposite. They're going to put this house on the market next Mm -hmm. year.
1: Yeah. So she doesn't care what goes in because she's going to be gone. Well, but she she cares now how it looks, though, because (laughs) it needs
3: to have good curb appeal. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of these things, they were going to just get They're going to take everything Mm -hmm. out other than the two crepe myrtles. And I said, listen, and and like I said, all of a sudden, this side of the house is getting a lot more sun Mm -hmm. because they had to take a big oak tree down. And I said, yeah, I mean, get these old, overgrown, half-dead Isaiahs out of there. Get them out. Let's start there. And she said, well, well, I really love Isaiahs. I said, well, put some Encore Isaiahs in there. They can take all the sun basically you want to give them now that you're getting more sun. There's so many different colors on the market now, Jam Invade, as you know. There's so many different heights that you can buy. I said, put some Encores in there put a little holly or something at the end of the house on that corner, mm-hmm. put another one on the other side, and put something right here by the front door on either side of it. And I said, and go from there. Mm-hmm. you know. But but get all this six-foot, half-dead stuff out of there. So I just thought it was pretty uh, – and, and we are all guilty of that. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. including myself. But we just get so used to seeing things, and as they grow, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until we don't realize, hey, it's hiding our house, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, when I'm doing landscapes, I look at the beauty of the house and try to landscape to enhance the prettiness of the house. People spend money to make the front of their house look certain way, certain details, windows here, windows there. And then, like you said, it's landscaped and covered up. If y'all want big stuff, let's pull your landscape out away Mm -hmm. from the house. Maybe make another bed away from the house so you can have the bigger stuff. But let's and luckily the industry has been hybridizing a lot of the things that stay lower, and it's really helping us out. I mean, at one time there was just hardly a choice—any choice you were going to have to prune, which hence came the uh, meatball landscape.
3: Exactly, mm-hmm. Where kind of like mine, where you're keeping everything pruned in nice mm-hmm. little beach balls, you know. And that doesn't look great, you know. And I mean, it is want, a
1: nice look. Well, really. it's a, it's a it's manicured just, look, yeah.
3: but yeah. Uh, you know, in some point you still want some natural-looking stuff. You know, let the thing grow like it wants to grow. But in this case, y'all, it was just it was too much. And Jim, especially when it comes to crepe myrtles, we see this all the time where people are putting the wrong crepe myrtle in the yeah. in the wrong spot.
0: Yeah, you know we got we have them that grow eighteen inches tall up to fifty feet tall. So pick the one that's going to be appropriate. You know. And these would have, and they were still beautiful
3: crepe myrtles. If they would, like you said, they'd mm-hmm. have been pulled out, right? You know, and used them as a specimen further mm-hmm. out, not just three feet away from the foundation of the house. And yeah. these were
0: thirty foot tall. And, and with big crepe myrtles, even if you want a big one, you know, don't plant it where it's in front of the house. Bring it out mm-hmm. three or four feet o- onto each side of the house. Yeah. It makes your house look larger. Yeah. it does. You know, Ooh, nice. and and it will give you a much prettier effect than if it's up close and shading mm-hmm. everything and that's what
3: this was doing and, yeah. and don't get me wrong i mean i'm people can grow what they want to grow i don't care uh and they can grow it how they want to grow it and they put it wherever they want to grow it i'm not being critical of that i'm just saying i think sometimes that when we you know 20 years after we've done all this landscaping we just don't realize sometimes how over overgrown right. it's guiding and we just because we see it every day
1: and then everybody ends up copying landscapes and they just happen to be copying the landscape that wasn't designed properly, and so then all the way down the street, it's the same landscape.
3: All right. So what should we be doing? You know, we talked about this time of year. You know, house plants, making sure we kept them, keep them watered, get keep them, them pre- warm, get them
0: protected, because we do have some cold temperatures on its way. On the way.
3: Now, when you say protected, Jim, you mean?
0: And they're gonna, you know, if you've got tropicals, they're gonna need to be in in a heated area or some place where they're not going to freeze, because we're gonna have some freezing or sub-freezing temperatures towards the end of this week. Wow, coming up pretty quick there. Yeah, yeah. Now, tonight it'll probably be in the upper 30s. Um, Most plants, you know, I've got a ponytail palm I'll move in, but sagos will be fine.
1: What about, Uh, I've got a um, windmill palm.
0: It should be fine. Right, that's what yeah. I'm
1: thinking. Robolini, <coughs> it's kind of border. You
0: well, know, that's that's a dwarf date palm. That one would be iffy. Yeah, you know. the windmill palm, good. the the Mexican uh, mm-hmm. windmill, would be fine. Yeah, you know, it'll take some frost without any problem. And
1: they sell those as houseplants, too.
0: They do, they do. It seems but most to of work.
3: You, most it's of so your house plants, I guess, should be. You know, you better go ahead and get them on in, and you can plant your bulbs this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Pre-emergence. Uh, organic fertilizers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, pruning. Plenty. We're not pruning a lot. Well, wait, are we, Well, the, are we pretty good at pruning now? I don't You still want things yeah. to go
0: dormant when it comes to your trees Most and so Everything's still got foliage on it. Yeah. Right? You know, the summer flowering shrubs that we would normally want to prune. I mean, my althea still got, it's full of foliage. Yeah. yeah. You know? And
3: then the leaves are falling. And if you've got fescue, you know, you want to try your best to keep the leaves off that newly planted fescue as best you can. Uh, whether you're blowing them off, gently raking them off, or cutting them off with the mulch mower. Try to keep those leaves off of that fescue. And like I said, you know, I was telling Jim and Beta that you can't even see my driveway right now with all the leaves. And I've been really keeping the leaves up on this front yard. But a lot of these leaves have dropped in the last week. And I guess with the rain that we had come in here, it knocked a lot of them down. But there's still a lot of things doing And you can still plant, you know, trees and shrubs like we talked about. Uh, It's a perfect time of year to plant, as long as the ground is not frozen Mm -hmm. or just muddy mucky.
1: Right, and I'm saying definitely with the rain. When you have rain and wet leaves, they're slick. (laughs) Slick. And I
3: do live on an incline, so Uh, I can see me trying to just run up this driveway. You know, while more
0: accidents are caused in the fall, actually, than than any time. You know, when you look at it nationwide, because the it's typically dry. You get oils on the road, and then leaves fall on top of them. And it can be very slick, yeah. so you want to be very right. careful.
1: Yeah, we were doing, they were installing a fountain, and it was a, where four guys had to carry it, the base of it. It was so heavy, or the, the bowl. And um, Adam stopped, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to get all these leaves off this sidewalk, yeah. or off the brick walk. Because can you imagine sliding withholding mm-hmm. all of that. That's how slippery they are. And so only has be to have
0: one person slide. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it goes
1: downhill quick. <laughs> <It's>, right, right. <laughs> and then if it had dropped, it would have damaged the steps on the brick. Yeah. So we would have been doing brick work, buying a new fountain, uh, yeah. all because they wanted to hurry up and walk on the leaves. So, yeah, That's not, that's not a good
3: situation. And, of course, then, you know, right after Thanksgiving, we start getting into the Christmas mode. People start thinking about that. Uh, if you start bringing trees in next week, which a lot of people will do, just say one thing man check that water regularly especially early uh when you first initially bring that tree in that's when it's bring, that's when it's taking up most of the water and
1: make sure kenneth you go check every christmas tree for the praying mantis sacks because i don't want people to take those inside and have a lot of praying manis in their house got you covered merry christmas <laughs> they'll yeah. be looking at you with those BD and then eyes.
3: poinsettias you know when you get a poinsettia make sure that thing is in the house poinsettias do not like cold temperatures i told you i saw some in containers last year during a christmas party i don't know it was 18 degrees outside they had these poinsettias in a pot on either side of the front door outside the
0: door i mean they look good for about 10 minutes uh-huh. yeah i've seen some in going into some of the box stores where they have racks of poinsettias right there at the door yes. you know so i wouldn't have had a one of them
1: <laughs> no you their wouldn't. leaves are gonna fall off they yeah. look good when you get home but three or four days later it's done All right, y'all, have a great week. Have a wonderful holiday. Get ready to work next Saturday. Work that turkey off, and we'll be here to tell you what to do.